Thank you, Rick. Uh, thank you, everybody. Welcome to the Spring ACBDC Leadership Conference Board of Directors meeting. I apologize for uh, getting started a little bit late, but it takes a little while to make sure all of our uh, technology is working properly. So we're really, really pleased to have you here today. And officially, we will call this board meeting to order. And I'll introduce uh, Denise Colley to do the roll call and introduction of guests and staff. Thank you, Dan. Uh, Dan Recording in progress. <laughs> All right, before Denise starts, we'll need everybody to, as much as you can, please don't have any side conversations. We're in a very large room and we're also doing this hybrid with five of our board members participating on Zoom. So thank you so much. Go ahead, Denise. Dan Spoon. Present. Deb Lewis. Present. Present. We, we, can't, we can't pass the mic around that fast, so we'll just, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Ray Campbell. Ray, Ray, Ray's here, Denise. <laughs> David Trot. Here. Jim Charlson. I am here remotely. Chris Bell. Here. Here. Jeff Bishop. Here. Don Brown. Here. Here. Gabriel Lopez Trafati. Here. Here. Terry Pacheco? Here. Here. Doug Powell? Here. Here. Rachel Schroeder? Here remote. Kevin Stemian? Here. Connie Sims? Here. Also here. Jeff Palm? Here. DOP Rep Penny Reader? Here. Denise, for staff, would you like me to just hand the microphone to Eric and he can let you know which staff are here? Yes, thank you. Yeah. Yes, David. Yeah, we said you were here, David. Yeah. All right, there we go. All right. So good morning. Eric Bridges is here. And here's the list of staff. This is a pretty comprehensive list of staff that's here. Uh, on Zoom, we've got Jolyn Bailey Page. Say good morning. Good morning, everyone. All right. We've got membership services with Cindy Hollis. Hi. <laughs> she says hi. Advocacy and Governmental Affairs, Clark Rackfall. Swatha Nanda Kumar. Tabitha Kenlon. All right. Development. We have Bill Reeder. Colby Garrison. <laughs> that sure sounded like Colby. Her bright, cheery, good morning voice. Fresh, fresh off an airplane. Uh, communications, Kelly Gask. Sharon Levering. Rick Morin. Here. 
here. All right. And then, uh, I don't know, Nancy Becker. How about her? And there she is, whoop whooping. Did I miss anybody? I let off with Jolyn. All right. Thank you. Well done, yes. Well done, Eric. Well done. All right. And now if somebody uh, could grab a microphone and we can introduce our guest, please. Karen Campbell, Springfield, Illinois. Sharon Dutmer, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Casey Dutmer, Michigan Council of the Blind and Visually Impaired. Good morning, Jenison Assumption, San Jose, California. Peter Heidi, <clears throat> Peter Heidi from Wisconsin. Paul Edwards from Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> Nick Corbett, Bay State Council of the Blind, Massachusetts. Andy Arvidsson, Washington Council of the Blind. Terry Nettles from Silver Spring, Maryland. Donna Browning from Alexandria, Virginia. Welcome to my city. Have a great visit. Merrill Schechter, Windsor Mill, Maryland. Uh, Beverly Thompson, Windsor Mill, Maryland. Frank Pacheco, Silver Spring, Maryland. Leslie Spoon, Orlando, Florida. Cecily Nipper, Covington, Georgia. And I think that is it. All right, well, welcome everybody. We're glad everybody made, uh, made the trip and, and we're excited to actually get to see people in person again today, uh, uh, this weekend. I want to give a special shout out to uh, Kim Charlson who was hoping to be here in person and she's made it as far as her friend's home in Virginia and unfortunately tested positive for COVID last, this night, so. So we love you, Kim. We're sorry you're, uh, you're, uh, uh, you're indisposed with that, but we're, you're quite a trooper, and we're glad you're on virtually. So thank you, Kim. Thank you, Dan, and missed you all. <laughs> Very good. All right, so let's go ahead and um, go on with the agenda, and we'll approve the agenda. So uh, agenda number one was call to order, Dan Spoon, ACB president. Two was roll call and introduction of staff and guests, and that was Denise Colley, secretary. Three is review and approval of the agenda, Dan Spoon. Four is review and approval of the meeting minutes from the January 31st telephonic board of directors meeting. Five is our mission moment. We're going to celebrate and congratulate Eric Bridges for 15 years of service with the American Council of the Blind. Six is the President's Report. We have A through E under President's Report. So A will be an update on our first uh, efforts for live Spanish language interpretation at our virtual DC Leadership Conference. And we're gonna ask Gabe to give us a 
a brief update on that. Two is an update on the participation of BVA, Blind Veterans of America, and NFB, National Federation of the Blind, at the rally on Friday. C is uh, just three reminders for our board coming up, C, D, and E. So we'll have a telephonic ACB Board of Directors meeting on Tuesday, April 25th at 8 o'clock. So be on the lookout for that coming out for as a placeholder. And then D, uh, just a reminder that the uh, Convention Board of Directors meeting will be on Friday, June 30th in Schaumburg, Illinois, and also being done virtually or hybrid. Yes, a, a little shout out for Ray there for Schaumburg in Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> and then E is, believe it or not, we're then going to go to Florida. And so the fall Board of Directors meeting will be September 29th and 30th in Jacksonville, Florida. That's the dates that uh, Janet was able to, to get for us, so we'll send a placeholder out for that so everybody doesn't double book on those days, so keep that in mind. And then seven is staff reports. We'll hear from Executive Director Eric Bridges and Chief Financial Officer uh, Nancy Becker and other staff as uh, requested. Then Eight is we're going to break for lunch at 12 o'clock. So whenever we go, whenever the clock strikes noon, we're going to break no matter where we are in the agenda. So we'll finish up our thoughts on whatever we're talking about fairly quickly. And we'll have a lunch break at 12. Uh, for those who wish to go to the uh, restaurant, the King Street Tavern is just uh, out the hallway, down, down to the main entrance section and to the right, and you'll run right into the King Street Cafe, as well as there, I know there's a diner that's literally like a half a block away if people need, you know, need instructions for that. So there's a couple of really good places to eat there for folks. Then at two, an ACB Media 6, the stream will be down at noon. And then once we come back out of executive session at 2 o'clock, we'll, res we'll resume. And we'll go back on ACB Media 6. And everybody will be allowed back into the, uh, into the conference room. Then uh, 10 is we're going to have an update with the financial narrative for 2022, and that'll be presented by David Trott, our ACB treasurer. 11 is review and approval of the ACB media and affiliate relations, excuse me, engagement policy. And that'll be presented by, um, by Rachel Schroeder, ACB media support chair and Rick Morin, ACB Media and Information Technology Manager. 12 is a Board of Publications update from Penny Reader, BOP Director. 13 is a, a report or update from uh, on enterprise, ACB Enterprise Services, and that is with Michael Garrett, uh, ACBES chair. 14 is review and approval of the recommendation for the 2023 ACB conference and convention standing rules. The board doesn't actually have the final vote on this. It's the membership, but the board needs to recommend the 
standing rules. And that'll be done by our Voting Task Force 3.0 Chair, Pat Sheehan, our Voting Task Force 3.0 Vice Chair, Jeff Tom, and our, and our Resolutions 3.0 Task Force, Ray Campbell. All right. 15 is our convention report, and that'll be done by Janet Dickelman, our convention committee chair. 16 is a review by the board and the staff of our 2023 strategic plan for the first quarter. And that's pretty much all of us, but Nancy will lead us through that document. And then 17 is officer committee and board liaison reports, so committee reports as needed for anyone who would like to share updates with our committees. And 18 is adjourned. Do I have a motion to approve the agenda? So moved. So moved. Oh, oh boy, I got the motions. I got, I got Chris and Doug right here. We're in good shape. Okay, so Chris moves and Doug seconds and somebody's touching my arm. Okay. We have limited large print and braille agendas. If anybody would like one, Nancy can hand them out. Raise your hand. Okay, Chris has a motion. I'm going to pass in the mic. Uh, yeah, this would be. A, I move we amend the agenda to include a re update report on the rally set for tomorrow, if there is an update. Okay. All right. Eric says we'll handle that during the staff reports. That sound good? Yeah. Okay. All right. So did we call the question? I don't think we called the question yet. Just had discussion. Any other discussion on the agenda? All right. Hearing none. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. Now item four on the agenda is review and approval of the meeting minutes from the January 31st telephonic ACB Board of Directors meeting. Denise Colley. So I'll turn it over to Denise. I hope my phone, my phone keeps dropping the call, so hopefully I won't lose it. Um, all right, I already have one slight correction because I don't know what I was thinking. Um, I had indicated in the minutes that Judge Powell seconded the motion to move out of executive session, but he does want to be in present. So what it really meant was I had no idea who <laughs> seconded that motion. <laughs> Um, are there any other corrections or additions to the minutes? Uh, okay, so uh, I think, Denise, I couldn't, did you have one correction? I was having a hard time understanding you. Yes. Uh, this yeah. is Doug. Uh, go ahead, Doug. Here, I'll, I'll give you the mic, Doug. Okay. Got it. Thanks. Uh, yeah, since we can't hear you very, understand you very well, Denise, uh, with your connection, um, this is Doug Powell. I. I was on the. I was in the minutes as seconding a motion toward the end of the minutes, and I was not in attendance at the meeting. So, uh, <laughs> How'd you do that? <laughs> so I, uh, I'm not. I don't remember what the. I didn't hear what Denise said was the resolution to that, but I just wanted to make that notification. Okay. All right. So thank you for that correction. All right, with that said, all in favor, uh, and the me meetings were distributed in everybody's board packet as well as put on the board Dropbox folder. So 
Do I uh, have a motion to approve the minutes? So moved. Chris, Chris has moved and Ray has seconded. Any discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Aye. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, Denise. We are having a hard time hearing you if, that, if there's anything you can do to make yourself more... Um, yeah, I mean, we, we hear noise, it's just very distorted. Yeah, muffled, yeah. Okay, uh, item five on the agenda is our mission moment. And this time it's not being presented by Dan and Eric, it's only being presented by Dan. <laughs> and I just want to take a moment to really, uh, on behalf of ACB, Thank Eric Bridges for his 15 years of service to the American Council of Blind. It truly is uh, a historic transformation for our organization. Eric, you know, served for eight years in an advocacy role, uh, you know, as director of advocacy and governmental affairs for the American Council of Blind. So many highlights, but. You know, you, you've got to really give him kudos for the CVAA in 2010 and all the work he did there to get that started. And, and look where ACB has been able to lead the, the nation in the world when it comes to audio description. So that is just an amazing accomplishment. But there were so many. And then for the last seven years, Eric has been our executive director We've moved from, I think, six full-time employees to 15 or 16 through this transition period. Our budget has grown substantially. Our corporate relations have really flourished. And it's been due to Eric and his wonderful team leading and management style, a staff that really works hard and efficiently and gives the extra mileage to do the right thing for the American Council of Blind. And folks, it's hard. It's hard to grow an organization. It truly is. And I just can't say enough of how glad I am that we had Eric in our organization directly as an employee for 15 years. He promises us he's not going anywhere. He will be a partner and a, and a colleague as he moves forward in his new position as the president and CEO of the American Foundation for the Blind. So I just uh, want to say thank you, Eric, and uh, I'll let, do any board members want to say anything before we let Eric say a few words? Yes, Dan. All right, let us uh, make sure people get microphones. All right. Okay. Uh, I would like to congratulate Eric on behalf of myself and my husband. And I'm going to point out something. You know, Dan, you're right. Eric has done an amazing job in the last 15 years. But Eric goes back a lot further than that in ACP. In 1999, I think, was his first convention. And at at that time, he was elected vice president of what was then the National Alliance of Blind Students. And he got very involved at that time and continued 
And I was so impressed with him that I remember when he was applying for the job at National Industries with Pat, Pat Beatty came to me and said, so what else do you know about, about Eric? And the two of us hashed it out one night, probably over a couple of Irish whiskeys or something. Um, but he then went on working at NIB for a number of years before he came here. And so Eric has really been involved with ACB since for almost 24 years. And that's pretty impressive. You know, so many years we've said, how do we get our young people involved? Well, we've managed to do that with Eric and Rebecca, for sure. <laughs> and congratulations to you both. All right. Well, if Terry's going to speak, i got to speak, of course. Um, <clears throat> no, ser seriously, um, Eric, uh, congratulations uh, to you. Uh, best wishes, uh, as I said to you the other day when we were talking on the phone. Um, I think it's just so cool that right here in the D.C. area that we have two or three organizations that can partner with each other, that can, you know, people can move between and um, uh, enhance their careers. Um, <clears throat> many of you probably may or may not realize that uh, Eric found love in ACB also. So uh, he met Rebecca through uh, his work in ACB. But... I think the thing that I want to focus on for just a minute is Dan mentioned that we grew from six to 15, 16 employees. But I think the thing that Eric brought to us and really uh, kind of led us into is running this organization more like a business, uh, a nonprofit business, which we've needed to do. Um, he focused us on things like the importance of strategic planning, um, the uh, importance of development, uh, the importance of, you know, making, you know, having, having good people who could um, uh, follow along when you had, you know, the good succession planning and just good overall strong leadership. So, Eric, congratulations. Um, I know you'll be a you continue to be a good partner to us uh, at AFB, and uh, best wishes uh, for you. And I know this is a great move for you, Rebecca, and your family. So, uh, congratulations. Okay. Uh, this is Kenneth Simeon Sr. I'd like to say congratulations to Eric on behalf of our DKM First Timers Committee, Deborah K. May Daniel Fund Committee, actually. Uh, Eric was very instrumental in be helping to begin the ACB J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows Award, and it's been a pleasure and a privilege working with Eric since 2016, and uh, just hope that you continue to do all the work that you have done. Eric, you've been phenomenal in everything that I've witnessed you do within ACB, and you've been a great inspiration to me personally. Thank you.
So I'd just like to add that um, Eric, I, I, we turned a corner when Eric took over because he um, uh, not only did he confront uh, big businesses in the country who are uh, selling inaccessible equipment and uh, you know, all that kind of stuff, not only did he confront them in a good way so that they listened and they were willing to change their ways, but also he got, to, it got them to pay ACV for the privilege. <laughs> and I think that was a turning point for this organization. So I, I want to acknowledge that for him, and also I want, just wanted to say that we're, uh, we're going to miss him and Rebecca and Tyler and Noah at all of our meetings. Uh, Eric, this is uh, this is Chris. You know, for uh, for a shy guy from Iowa, <laughs> you really made a uh, a mark. And I, I I have to take back all the Iowa jokes I used to tell when I was in Minnesota. <laughs> uh, uh, but well, not all of them. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. You know they they. They finally discovered the 1964 University of Iowa hide and go seek champion, the skeleton. Um, but, uh, but you know, I, uh, I think uh, Eric is has been a generational transition for ACB and will be for ASD, and that's really important. Uh, very hard for a lot of organizations, for the, the old folks, to let go. And yet we've done that. And I think that's tremendously to Eric's credit. And he is going to continue that generational transformation for ASB. And uh, that's as it should be, but it isn't always that way. So Eric, thank you again for all that you've done for ACB over the years. I was appalled to learn that you're, you're too old for next gen. I didn't understand that. Uh, but congratulations and uh, God bless. He's ready for AADL. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite yet. Not quite yet. Dan, this is Kim. Okay, I was, I was gonna now go to Zoom. So go ahead, Kim. Yes. Thank you. So Eric, I just wanted to say, I'm wishing you all the best in your new role. You're, you, I'm wishing that you will be as successful there or more so even than you were at ACB. So I, um, I'm extremely proud of you. Um, when I was president and faced the challenge of having to replace an executive director, some people said, he's kind of young, are you sure? And I said, I wouldn't recommend him for this role if I didn't believe in him. And um, my faith was proven to be justified and your talents and skills you know, led ACB through a lot of unusual circumstances. Um, the pandemic being one of them and I hope that you never have to experience that again for sure but you weathered it and you weathered it well and we've grown and 
the staff has grown and what ACB is doing and the difference we're making is very much attributable to your, your skill, your ability to hire people who are outstanding at what they do, and it's moving ACB forward. And, and I loved what Chris said about the next generation of leadership, and that's what you started and represent. So good luck to you in everything you do with your family and your career. It's been a pleasure to work with you. Thank you, Kim. A anyone else from the, our Zoom virtual board members? This is Jeff. <clears throat> and, uh, I don't, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't want to duplicate uh, what all the other uh, incredible things that people have said, but I just want to point out a couple of things. Eric, you, 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 to me, you really have the heart of an advocate. You know, not only, as we know, did Eric do such an incredible job in that position, but also um, Eric seldom missed an advocacy call um, in, in all the many years, even before I was chair and, and now that I have been chair. And um, the reason I point this out is not only to applaud you for what you did in ACB, but because of that advocacy heart of yours, I know we're going to have an incredible partner in AFB in the future. So again, congratulations to you and Rebecca and your family, and I know you'll do a super job for AFB. Thank you. All right. Anyone else? If not, I'm going to turn it over to Eric to say a few words. This is Rachel. Oh, go ahead, Rachel. Just wanted to say, you know, I'm not going to duplicate anything either. Um, a lot of great things said, all well-deserved. And um, Eric, it's been a pleasure to get to know you a little more. And I knew ACB was in good hands uh, with you as the executive director. And I wish you and Rebecca and your family well and wish you well in your new position and look forward to uh, continued partnership. All the best. going to now turn it over to Eric for a few words. Eric. All right, here we go. Let's see if he cries. Okay. Well, um, it's very nice. It's just like, Eric Bridges, this is your life. Um, pretty surreal and very cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've been part of this organization for over half my life, so uh, the odds of me uh, just packing up and leaving ACB are, are not likely at this stage at all. So uh, I am, uh, it's been pointed out, I'm a, a life member. Uh, some of you might remember Rebecca gave me a life membership about five years ago at the convention, so, and then I gave her one the next year. So uh, there's... You know, my, my involvement with ACB um, may change, uh, but I will remain a member. Uh, and, in, you know, the, the, the opportunity that I've had to, to grow here has been tremendous uh, from, you know, uh, the, the advocacy role into really running the business. This is a business, and this is something that we've, I don't know, always looked at as a business historically. And so being able to help to transition, uh, you know, the, the thoughts and, and thinking of, of the leadership to have it be 
more business oriented while maintaining the, the real necessary, you know, advocacy uh, spine, you know, that is what we're known for. It's been, it's been important to me. Uh, the, let's see, uh, being able to, to grow this, the staff and be able to bring on uh, lots of pretty cool people, most of whom are in here in this room today, uh, has been, it's been wonderful. Uh, being able to see people grow, take on new responsibilities, transition out of other roles into new roles, and or leave the organization to do even bigger and better things. So, pretty neat. Uh, I guess, you know, finally, I'm, I'm leaving to go to AFB. And AFB has, is, it has undergone, well, it is undergoing a, a transition period and it has faced some challenges over the last few years. And I think that that is not a big secret to anybody. Um, I think that the field is stronger when the American Foundation for the Blind is strong. Uh, I think that when the American Foundation for the Blind is strong, uh, the organization works uh, very well with the American Council of the Blind. And, you know, I, I've said this uh, before, but it, it, it is absolutely true. There is a designated seat on the Board of Trustees at the American Foundation for the Blind for an individual from ACB. And uh, currently, that's Katie Frederick. But it was Jeff Tom, and before that, it was Brian Charlson, and I'm sure there was somebody before Brian. So the two organizations are, are linked historically um, at that level, but from an advocacy level. And I, I, it, is, it is my intention that, that AFB will have a, a very excellent working relationship with ACB. And, uh, as well, the National Federation of the Blind, uh, to the extent that that is possible, you know, as well as the rest of the, the blindness field. I want AFB to get back to becoming uh, a convener in the blindness field, to be able to uh, hold meetings where the big issues of the day are, are, are grappled with. And uh, I want for ACB to be engaged in those discussions at AFB. So um, I'm looking forward. Our the AFB leadership conference is uh, April, April 19th, 20, and uh, I'll be giving a, a welcome speech there. That'll be interesting. Uh, and uh, you know, for those that are gonna be in attendance, please come see me. But it's also my intention, uh, if I get an invitation, uh, to come this summer to to Schaumburg and and uh, say hello and uh, spend about 48 hours not eight crazy days and nights but um, this this has been great thank you so much for the opportunity to to do what I've done here and uh, I'll hand it back to you Dan thank you Are we ready? One, two, three. Hip, hip, hooray! Hip, hip, hooray! Hip, hip, hooray! Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Bridges. It's been a... Yes, David.
<laughs> uh, David was sharing that, that uh, Eric will move on to a new position, but Roger Bridges is a lifetime uh, uh, contributor and friend of the American Council. Yes, Congress. and, and he, he's really been a, a great help to this organization, yeah. and it's not talked about a whole lot, but uh, I, I truly have a, a lot of warm feelings for Roger and a lot of respect, and, and we certainly don't want him going with Eric. We want to keep him here. We'll share, right? We'll yeah, share. a little bit. Not oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> and Cindy is saying we need to start up our Let's Talk Sports call again, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, we, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, Eric, thank you and congratulations, truly. You did, you did good. You didn't. I, I would have been boohooing. So you did great. You did great. All right, all right. Six. Uh, we're going to move on with the president's report, item number six. So uh, A on that is an update on the Spanish language interpretation that was part of our virtual leadership conference, and I'd like to turn it over to Gabriel Lopez Cafati who played an instrumental role as our Multicultural Affairs Committee subcommittee chair for Hispanic uh, relations. So, Gabriel. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Love to hear your thoughts on our first ever, I think, groundbreaking opportunity to broadcast live in both English and Spanish for our virtual DC leadership conference. Absolutely. Do you want me to render the report in English or Spanish? Oh, maybe you can try it in both. I don't know. What, uh, yeah, Spanglish. Yeah, Spanglish. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for my voice. Um, I'm, I, I tested. I, I'm negative, but I started teaching a human resource management class and it's been three days of nonstop two-hour talking for the past three nights. So <clears throat> we um, took on the project of interpreting uh, the virtual portion, as Dan said. Thanks to, uh, first of all, the board for the support. Uh, thanks for um, approving the budget that is going into interpretation. One of the first things we focused on was to find interpreters within our community. So I would like to officially here um, as on a board meeting um, thank our three wonderful interpreters, Lucy Arguijo, uh, Daniel Graterol, and Joanny Orozco, all of them um, ACB members and blind um, from different parts of Latin America. We uh, did a great, great collaboration uh, with also um, Rick, Deb, and Cindy uh, for uh, making sure that we had the Zoom set up and we had uh, the both channels, Spanish and English, both on Zoom and on ACB Media. We uh, established uh, different partnerships with um, ULAC, which is uh, the Unión Latinoamericana de Ciegos, which is basically the Latin American ACB. <laughs> and um, thank you to Kelly for all the blurbs and promos. We also partnered with DICAPTA, which is an organization that is thriving with audio description in Spanish, and ONCE, which is, we all know ONCE from Spain. So our messaging was out there, not only in the U.S., but out into the world. 
I can't wait to hear the numbers, but I've been getting a lot of messages from people who tune in either via their Echo devices or through Zoom. I know many here have told me that they, um, even though they were not quite sure what, what was being said, they tuned into Spanish just to hear it. And um, I think we, it is safe to preliminary, pre preliminarily call it a success. It was the first time that ACB holds a fully, fully bilingual event and we're just getting started. Uh, some of the next steps that the, the subcommittee has undertaken is uh, to start the uh, translation of the ACB website. We're gonna continue working uh, for convention with simultaneous interpretation. And um, uh, absolute thanks to Dan and Cheryl Cummings for uh, their support of this project. I just want to close by saying that some things are very, very hard to undertake. Some things are some, they seem like unreachable. But if we don't start somewhere, we're never going to get there. Uh, we had uh, conversations with, uh, with the task force that was putting this together. Uh, Dan, myself, Cheryl, Nancy. Kelly, Cindy, Deb, Rick. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing someone. That's, that's what happens when you start naming people. <laughs> um, and we, we deciphered that there were two big things in this project. One of them was, do we have the audience? And number two is, do we get the audience first or we provide the service after we have the audience? So um, I... I I regaled everyone with my famous anecdote that has been following me through my business career, and, which is what, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? So we decided that in order for us to be able to attract uh, the population of blind and visually impaired people, not only in the US, but around the world, who are primarily Spanish speakers, we have to provide the offering first. We have to set up the infrastructure for them to come to something. We cannot base our projects on promises and say, yes, if you promise to come, then we'll do it. No, we have to do it and people will come. And um, I'm pretty sure that, we'll, that our numbers will show that a good amount, a good number of people did uh, benefit from our Spanish interpretation. I've, only, I've already been getting calls and emails that I will share with the board especially through DICAPTA. A lot of people joined and a lot of people appreciated and took advantage of the Spanish portion of the um, President's and Legislative Seminar. A lot of people learned about their rights, about advocacy, and about ACB, which is the primary focus of this, is to grow in numbers and grow in diversity and include blind and visually impaired people who need the work that we do and who need a home in ACB. And uh, I cannot thank ACB enough for having supported this project and having uh, been able to reach out to Hispanic and Spanish speaking blind and visually impaired people around the world. Thank you. Hey, Gabe, Gabe, just one more point. I don't know if you mentioned it, but all of those broadcasts will be available as Spanish language podcasts as well. Yes. Thank you, Rick. Thanks for reminding that. Yep. 
and we will certainly uh, use those podcasts to continue promoting ACB. And uh, we're also working with Cindy to start a uh, once at least once a month to begin with a community call called solely in Spanish. Our interpreters are very, very excited and very engaged, uh, and and they want to move forward. Uh, a couple of them are already part of the Hispanic subcommittee. <laughs> so talk about just uh, you know closing the circle in in this wonderful ACB family where you you come in on through one door and then you find yourself <laughs> just going around through the entire organization. So so thank you for welcoming. Um, Spanish Spanish language into ACB and thank you. Our goal is to make this organization a fully bilingual organization in a couple of years. Thank you. Thanks Gabriel. again. Gracias. I will. I don't know, Dan, if if there's if you want me to entertain any questions. Okay. I'll yes, Gabe, if you, uh, anybody, not, any questions not, or comments okay. for Gabe? Okay. Perfect. Not in the room. Not in the room? Okay. Thanks, okay. Nancy. Again, thank you, thank you so much. It was historic, and we will continue to build on it. So thank you, thank you, Gabriel. It really, really was a huge transitional step for our organization. All right. B, under the President's reports, is... Uh, just want to give you all an update related to participation at the rally with our other consumer groups uh, besides the American Council of the Blind. We had um, had conversations and sent out invitations to both the um, Blinded Veterans of America BVA and the National uh, Federation of the Blind NFB. Uh, we'd actually had uh, so Blinded Veterans has accepted, and their president, Joseph McNeil Sr., will be on the run of show for the rally. Uh, NFB, we had, actually, John Perret, the advocacy director for NFB, had reached out to Clark, expressing an interest in participating. For those of you all who don't know, Eric Clark and I have a quarterly meeting with Mark Riccobono, John Perret, and Emil Lewis to talk about issues that are impacting our, our, or, you know, our field. And so we are seeing the fruits of this relationship already this year with our legislative imperatives. Two of ACB's legislative imperatives were co-developed by both the American Council of Blind, the National Federation of Blind, and I should say the American Foundation for the Blind. Uh, and so everybody came together as colleagues for both the Medical Device, Accessible Medical Device Act, as well as the Website and Software Application Accessibility Act. So those were two of the three imperatives that NFB came to Capitol Hill and talked on last month. And they're two of the four imperatives that we're talking about this month. So that re I think that relationship is, you know, we're always will have differences, but the more we can work, the better, the stronger it is for the blind and low vision community. I had two conversations with Mark Riccobono, gave him a formal invite. They, they do have an event scheduled in that afternoon in Baltimore, so he's not going to be able to participate, but we did make the overture. 
So I just wanted to make sure everybody knew where we were with our relationships with both BVA and NFB related to the rally. Other thing to just share with you all coming out of just the conversation, the energy around the rally and a, uh, a formal letter that our American Council of Blind office uh, sent to the administration, letting them know about our concerns and the rally that we were planning. We then got a call the next day from the uh, US Treasury asking for a meeting with ACB, uh, the Department of the Treasury, as well as the Department of Bureau uh, Printing, the, excuse me, the Bureau of Printing and Engraving. So several of us will be going before the rally at 11 o'clock to the US Treasury to have a meeting about accessible currency. So this is a journey, of course, as we know that we're on here, but the energy, the visibility from the rally is already making a difference. So we'll continue to, to, to give you a little bit more update about the rally during the staff report, but I at least wanted to share that part during the president's report. So any questions on that? All right. The next three things are really just reminders for the board. I try to put them in the president's report so everybody gets them on their calendars. We will have a uh, virtual ACB Board of Directors meeting, telephonic meeting on April 25th, a Tuesday at eight o'clock. April's kind of a squirrely month because the last day of the month is a Sunday. And so anyway, we're gonna do it on Tuesday, the 25th. And then the next kind of hybrid meeting will be in person, most of us, I would say, will be in Schaumburg at our, um, DC, excuse me, at our convention uh, ACB Board of Directors meeting, and that is the Friday, June 30th at 9 o'clock. And then the dates that Janet has for us uh, at, in, in, in the fall, for the fall board meeting uh, are in Jacksonville, and they are going to be September 29th, a Friday, and September 30th, a Saturday. And we'll get you more details of the exact times of that, but please at least block those days out on your calendar and be thinking about traveling to Jacksonville, which is, will, be, will be the home of our 2024 ACB conference and convention. All right, that's all I have from the president's message. Any, any other questions or comments for the president? I move acceptance of the president's report. All right, Doug moves acceptance of the president's report. Do I have a second? Chris Bell seconds. Chris Bell seconds. It's great to have you guys at the end of the table. <laughs> All those in favor, signify by saying aye. aye. Opposed? Strategic seating. I think it's strategic. All right. Item seven on the agenda is staff reports. I'm going to turn it over to Eric Bridges, our executive director, and Nancy Marks Becker, our chief financial officer. Eric. All right. Well, good morning again. So. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So the really three things here, they're staff announcements, uh, update on, on our move, and then uh, just a little bit of uh, background on how in the world we shoved all these events into eight days. All right, so let's, let's start 
with uh, staff updates. So uh, last week, uh, we were very happy to announce the promotion of, of Kelly Gask to be uh, manager of communications for this organization. Uh, Kelly's been with us for eight years, uh, started as an administrative assistant to Melanie Brunson, actually. Um, so has gotten uh, the, the full view of, of the last several years and uh, has been an integral part of our growth at a staff level, learning, uh, learning pretty much everything you can learn. <laughs> uh, if that, you know, would you think that Kelly would know how to move an office? She did with me. Uh, would you think that Kelly would know how to do, I don't know, a new website? Yeah, uh, we nicknamed her the Swiss Army Knife, and it's it holds true. Like whatever you need, Kelly can pretty much fill that gap. And and but one of the things that has become quite apparent over the last, I'd say, three to four years is her you know, her natural uh, happy state is working uh, on design and images uh, and being in social media and being able to have her talents directed in that fashion more intentionally and then being able to, to work with Tony Stevens and Jen Flatt on some of the more hardcore components of communications as a, as a science and an art um, really watched her develop and you know, with the departures of, of Tony and Jen over the last year, uh, the the communications arm of our organization, from a staffing standpoint, really did need a leader, and she's somebody that is respected by her peers and by uh, by the membership, and it seemed quite fitting. So, join me in uh, congratulating Kelly on her promotion. Cool. So, uh, secondly, uh, Colby Garrison came to work for us two years ago and uh, had been a, an ACB member and had been uh, somebody oriented toward ACB before coming to work for us, became engaged in the community in its early days and was active in that. and. Uh, you know, worked, went to work for Cindy, learning the ropes of the community, the community schedule, all of the ins and outs, witnessed it, you know, take off and was part of the, the continued growth of, of community in helping to communicate to those that were participating in the community and developing relationships. And as we were looking at you know, the, the need for development to be more professionalized within the organization uh, over the last several months, and the board approved the, the development officer position uh, funding. Uh, actually, last year, you approved it. Um, it became apparent to me and, and to others on the team that 
she'd probably do really well at this. Uh, it's just dealing with people, and she's pretty freaking good at dealing with people. <laughs> and she's smart, and she can learn about anything. And uh, the opportunity arose to, to share this with her, and she leapt at it. And she's getting to work for Jolyn and, and getting to work with Bill. And I uh, just want to congratulate you on, on switching roles and, and getting uh, some more responsibility, Colby. Congratulations. That's my girl. <laughs> and then the third uh, literally happened last week. Uh, so we have had challenges in the Minneapolis office with this position. I think it's not, it's not a secret. Um, <laughs> Nancy Becker's laughing across, across the room. She, no, it's not. Yes, we've had problems with Nancy Becker as well. Yeah, yeah no. Um, but uh, last week, we were very pleased, uh, and Nancy uh, hired a HR, HR payroll specialist, Nancy Hollitz, to, to work. Dear heavens, that would make a third Nancy in the office. That would be, that would be awful. Yes, Rachel Hollitz. My apologies, Rachel. And not Hollis. Hollitz. Um, so anyhow, yes, Dan will probably struggle with that name for time and memoriam. Moving forward, um, but um, that all of this is to say that uh, you know I think that this is all of these moves are a function of a healthy organization uh, and one that um, in the first two cases it, it, you know we're able to uh, we're able to grow our own talent and I think that that is uh, uh, that's an important step in the maturation of of the staff and uh, so. At any rate, um, any questions about these moves? Okay. Um, thank you, Eric. Um, actually, not a question, but um, I want to publicly thank you for allowing us to draw on uh, at the local host committee to draw on some of Kelly's expertise. Uh, many of us on that committee are lions. And we got to thinking that it might be really good to put an ad in the Illinois Lions State Convention Program about our volunteer opportunities at the convention. There are many lions up in northern Illinois around Chicago that we thought uh, might want to know about that, and what we thought was that it would be good to have some photo some photographs of our convention as part of that ad. So thanks to, so I reached out to Eric and I said, can we borrow Kelly's expertise in design and of course Nancy's help as well in uh, identifying some good uh, pictures, and we're able to put I think a very nice looking ad into the uh, Lion State Convention program. So. I want to thank you for allowing us to you to uh, draw on Kelly's expertise a little bit. Uh, the other thing I want to mention too is 
with uh, Colby's move that we're talking about growing our talent and retaining some of our talent, we were able to at least temporarily uh, bring on uh, Belle Collins mm -hmm. and uh, you know yes. utilize her uh, expertise and uh, her relationships in the community and that kind of thing to help Cindy out. So uh, uh, another great another great example there of uh, finding good talent within our organization. Yes, and, and Cindy and uh, Rachel are reviewing uh, a lot of resumes uh, from a lot of blind people <laughs> that are interested in that role. And, you know, I, I agree with you. Uh, it's great to have Belinda uh, back on our team. As, as some of you will recall, she actually did an internship for ACB a couple years ago through the state VR uh, in, in North Carolina. It was great to have her on the team then. So, uh, and then in addition, there is a, uh, an accounting position that is open uh, within the Minneapolis office as well. Uh, and that's really to, to replace Lane Waters and the role that he played as a contractor over the last uh, many years, <laughs> uh, nearly seven. <clears throat> um, and, you know, Lane, Lane's gonna hang around till we find somebody um, in a certain capacity, he'll, he'll be around. Uh, but that is, again, approved by the board to, to go and find a, a full-time uh, person to, to do that work, to help Nancy. So, all right. Uh, let's see. Second, second thing, uh, update on our move. So we signed the lease, and uh, we are to be in our new office space by May 1. So we're uh, in communication with the landlord about all of that. Uh, Lane has been reaching out to uh, a company to uh, do cabling in the office space for all of our internet and other needs. And as well, in the next uh, week or so, we're going to be reaching out to a couple of moving companies, uh, one of whom we used for our move uh, to Alexandria from Arlington in 2016 and uh, was, was excellent. So, yeah. all right. The, uh, well, by May 1. So it's a little nebulous right now as to when exactly that will be. All right. The last thing, and uh, I've raised this for you all to have um, some context uh, as to the the uh, certain level of crazy that we've elected to undertake um, from Saturday through this Sunday. In October, we met to do our, our fourth quarter EOS uh, planning for the for the last quarter of the year, and we began to look at a couple things. One, the the leadership conference and a resolution that that dealt with holding a currency rally. And you know the decision was made that we would you know want to continue to do the leadership conference virtually uh, for 
the ability to have more people physically attend virtually. And you know, I think that that held true again this year. Our numbers were uh, far greater than we would have ever had in person. The currency rally uh, presented a, an ongoing challenge. Uh, and that is an in-person event in Washington, DC. And would people come in for one day? And so then we started brainstorming. And when we start brainstorming, the leadership team, they, things get dangerous. Um, <laughs> more, work, more work gets created. And um, then we came up with this, hey, let's have a weekend in DC. Let's have some content. Let's do some tours. Let's get a bus. Let's get Janet and Rhonda to help us get a bus. Let's, um, and, and sort of that's how all of this came into being is, you know, the, 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 the really historic frustration that we've had with this court order not being implemented to provide, you know, uh, blind Americans, blind, blind folks in this country with accessible paper currency and, you know, us needing to put uh, government on notice. Uh, and then while you're here, why not hang out, network, uh, provide the organization with, with feedback uh, on issues relating to membership, listen to some cool presenters come in that are here locally, and how about you just go have a good time and go on some tours and go out to dinner and, and find time to just hang out and network. And so that's, that's really sort of the impetus of this. And Dan, if you remember it differently, you can correct me. But, you know, having, having it be a weekend. Um, and now we're on the precipice of that. And... Um, I think everybody on the staff is just eager to just get this whole thing rolling. Um, it, it has taken us a full quarter plus to prepare all of this. Um, and, and it's more than just staff. It's, you know, uh, it's, it's people like, like Dan who have project managed, um, you know, the, the rally aspects of the president's meeting. Um, you know, uh, looking at um, the tours and having the, the, the expertise and guidance of Janet Dickelman and Rhonda Trott. Um, you know, the, the ongoing necessity of having volunteer help with a virtual event, you know, having, having Deb Lewis and then hosts, and then, oh, by the way, we want to do this in Spanish also. <laughs> right? Sometimes I think we're overachievers. Um, really? And, and cart. <laughs> and cart, yeah. Um, you know, the, the complexity of this eight days, um, you know, folks that are coming in, they don't need to care they should just go have fun and enjoy. But there is a lot that has gone on over the last, I would say, five months um, to get us to this past weekend and Monday and Tuesday and today and the weekend. And uh, just 
wanted to share a little of the context, but also thank the, the staff that has worked tirelessly to, to do all of this. You know, um, Cindy, uh, Cindy has been pivotal in, in helping to identify hosts, uh, even hosting the, you know, or facilitating the, the, the connect shows in between the, the sessions of the leadership conference. Uh, Clark and Swatha, uh, you know, in their uh, roles in, you know, going out and identifying folks to come in and speak and presenting themselves as part of the legislative seminar. Uh, Tabitha's brand new, but she already, like, she already had a presentation at the president's meeting. She already <laughs> was a, a panelist on the fireside chat. Like, it just goes on and on. Kelly uh, putting together communications plans for these events. Uh, Nancy just doing what Nancy does, right? Just being in the back uh, and doing registration and, and any number of helping to fill in gaps. Uh, Rick, um, who, you know, worked on streaming uh, as well as, you know, Spanish language, uh, you know, just a, a ton of different audiovisual aspects of, of what Rick touched. So he even put the then, playlist together for right. the rally. Yeah, there's tomorrow. there's uh, there's a bunch of songs with money in them uh, that are going to be played tomorrow at the rally. Uh, Sharon and Caitlin um, for uh, the the braille menus for the dine around on Saturday night at the eight different restaurants because why not? Braille menus for eight different restaurants. Um, so doing that, um, you know, the orientation guide, um, a lot, a lot has, has gone into to all of this, and I just want to say thank you. And Eric, thank you as well. And, and I already saw last night, it, you just can't put a price tag on it, you know, as we walk down to the King Street Tavern, and I'll, I'll emphasize tavern, as well as restaurant, there were 20 ACB people down there just talking it up and making plans for dinner and pairing up to, to have a meal together and talking about the weekend. And you just can't put a price tag on the value of those networking opportunities to actually get to meet people in person. Leslie and I have always said this when we got involved in ACB. This DC Leadership Conference is where you really get to know the leaders of ACB. The convention is too crazy. But here you can actually take some time and develop relationships that last a lifetime. So. I commend Eric and the staff when we brought this up. I think we asked Eric right two or three times, are you sure we really want to do this? 100%, we're all in. So I've also heard from a lot of our key members and, and staff that, Dan, we might want to think about scaling it back down a little for next year. So I just want to let you know yeah. we've heard that input. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, again, just compliments to Eric and the staff. I mean, the number of meetings 
that we have had to get this plan has been um, just astronomical. But I, if we're going to do it, yeah. and, and we're, we're going to do it well, and that's because we're ACB and we meet the challenge. In, in certain respects, this rivals the convention. Yes, the fire alarm. Holy cow, the fire alarm. Convention's eight days, and leadership's eight days. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Uh, all right, cool. Well, uh, why don't we move? That's, that's all I have. Are there any other uh, questions for me? For the weekend, is everybody pretty well good? And just so following this meeting at 5.30 today, we are going to have a welcome to a DC meeting in this room where registration will be open, people can pick up their badges, uh, sign up for their dine around. So just, if, if, you, if you don't come back after the break at lunch, please come back at 5.30 uh, for the uh, welcome to DC uh, meeting. Uh, can, question, can somebody kind of go over the logistics on the rally a little bit? Because I see that we, you want us in the lobby at 11 o'clock and the rally doesn't start till 1.30. So, and maybe kind of walk, and the sec, will it happen if it rains? That's, I'm a little scared about that, but. Well, uh, you made a sugar? Yeah. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm too sweet, I'll melt, you see. Um, no, I just want to kind of understand the logistics sure. of all that. I tell you what, can we, um, can we get to that during Clark's sure. stuff? Because I, I want to give Nancy some time and the development team some time, and then we'll go to Clark after that, Clark and team to... Okay, awesome. All right. Uh, why don't we hand things off to the, our chief financial officer, Nancy Becker. Hey, you guys. So one little piece I was going to talk about is the changes in my office, but Eric already did. So I am looking forward to having a HR person in the office again, because the last two months has been very busy, trying to get payroll done and taking care of HR and my CFO duties. Um, one thing that I'd like to talk about is scholarships. So the scholarship application period has closed. We have 104 verified applicants. So it's higher than it was last year. Last year was 77. So I would like to say that in partnership with Cindy and Kelly, I, we had a couple community calls for potential applicants who wanted help on completing their applications. And then Kelly also did a lot of posting of announcements through social media. And I really attribute that we had a lot more completed applications this year than prior years because of the outreach that we did to potential, um, potential scholarship awardees. Um, next to the MMS, we're midway through that right now. Um, if anyone, let's see here, what we did this year is anybody who was a member at large last year or the previous two years, we sent them a letter letting them know that, you know, if they wanted to, they could just, you know, call us, join, but they could renew as a member at large. Um, we've been successful with that. Most affiliates have been submitting their updates. Sharon's fingers are, they're, they're being worn down a little bit. But in partnership with Cindy, also again, um, Sharon and I have given her, first we sent an email out to the affiliate member records person if we had not heard from them. And over the weekend that spurred a lot of people sending stuff into Sharon. But now 
we're having Cindy, her team, call people that we haven't heard from. So hopefully we can get um, more people in before that deadline, which is the 15th. And then from the 22nd to the 31st, um, they will submit the certification report to us. And this determines how many votes each affiliate receives at the convention. So if they forget to add somebody, they're not going to be, um, it won't add to their numbers. Um, and at end of March, we are getting our audit done. So I am busy right now trying to get all my audit paperwork cleaned up and into the auditors. And then oh, there was one last thing that I can't remember what it is. That's it for me. Who, who do you want to go next, Eric? Sure. So why don't we uh, hand it over to the development team, uh, Bill Reeder, Joel and Bailey Page, and Colby Garrison. The microphone is being wiped clean. Um, well, I got to put in my two cents for working with Eric Bridges. He's, he's an outstanding executive. You know, this isn't my first rodeo. And uh, I've been with a lot of fine leaders throughout my career. And Eric, you're, you're top among them. And it's been a privilege to work with you and to, uh, to become part of your council. And uh, not only do I wish you well, but I think we're all saying, take us with you wherever you're going. <laughs> but thank you, Eric. Um, you know, ACB has done some wonderful fundraising over the years. Uh, it's, it's really been through the dedicated volunteer uh, participation and leadership. I'm sitting right next to one of the chief volunteers right here, Dan. You're all over the place. David. David. I got you and David and Dan and uh, David. You are the good looking one. And your fingerprints Bill, you've got are all my over disease. This. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> not yeah, not to mention then the legacy gifts. You know, some people have conveniently died and left ACB with some wonderful, wonderful gifts along the way. But the reality is, and this leadership conference underscores it, that ACB's programs are ready, if not already growing, faster than our fundraising support. And this is only going to get better, right? I mean, when you look at the programs that are scaling, uh, it's, it's becoming exponential. So, and, and each of these programs are very attractive, I think, to the donor community. So what, what we've uh, done is taken a team approach and are now going to begin to build what I have experienced throughout my career as a really mature fundraising uh, advancement infrastructure program. Um, we have become a new team, fully formed, as of nine days ago. So we've been working nine days as a team. Uh, and we've already gotten quite a bit done. We've we built an annual calendar, uh, playing off of Kelly's calendar. So we know where all of the deadlines and all of the challenges and everything that has to happen uh, to repeat all of the giving that has already been established with us. Now we're going to start some new undertakings, some of which will feel familiar, but part of it will be in fact new. And it's what I call the four-point plan, uh, which can only be built through volunteer participation and leadership. 
uh, I could, well, I've already written it. I, I sent some of it to you in the notes. I know everybody just read it over and over again, right? You put yourself to sleep at least twice trying to read the darn thing. No, it's, it's, it's fundraising technical speak, and yet the reality of building these tools will be truly beneficial, but they depend on all of us doing, contributing to that work. The first step is what uh, fundraisers call institutional readiness. Uh, there are six dynamic functions, and I would encourage you to actually read that little document. It's a, it's a shorthand document, but by the time that gets filled out, it'll be about a 600-pager <laughs> of uh, every, every chapter and verse of our institutional fundraising readiness. The second one, uh, which I was just this morning asked, well, how much money are we going to really raise? Um, and there is an answer to that question. We're going to raise as much money as we have prospects to support. You say, well, what's a prospect? Well, I wrote another paper on what's a prospect. So you all go get that paper out and read it. You know, you'll have some questions. But the, the shorthand is a prospect is someone who has the ability to give us a gift in the level we need, okay, that is linked to us and who's interested in us. Now, if any one of those three dimensions aren't in place, they're not a prospect, they're a suspect. <laughs> so we, we and, and the rule of thumb is, which turns out to hold up over time, is that for each gift that you hope to acquire, you need three prospects. Three prospects. So if you want to raise a million bucks, all right, we need a $100,000 gift. Well, we need three sources who could make a gift of that size. So it's not everybody in this room, I suspect. But they're out there. We need to find three. They have to be linked to us, and they have to be interested in our work. So building that prospect pool is where virtually everyone comes into play. And uh, we'll set it up. Nancy's got all the tools we need to keep track of ourselves. And so as this prospect pool grows, so will our results, our fundraising results. The third one is, and this, you, you bump into this right away when you ask somebody to give you some money. They say, well, why do you need my money? Well, that's called the case for support. That's some more fundraising technical speak. It's all the reasons why anybody would ever give ACB money. And we're going to have a charrette at some point. Dan has promised me we will. Uh, where we're just going to sit around and brainstorm all the reasons why anybody would ever give us money. And, and all of the lives that are changed by the programs that we're building. We're going to, it's not a one-page paper that we end up with. It's a file drawer of resources that we then draw upon when we build our, our, uh, our fundraising appeals to individuals and companies and foundations. And then finally, um, this is something that is already very nicely established, a, a donor-centric solicitation and stewardship program. Um, you know, we think about our needs as an organization, but we need to think about the needs of the people who are being so generous to us. What is, it, what is the value that they're receiving? And we have to be sure that they actually experience that. So 
This four-point plan will be the uh, next 18 months of work. In uh, 18 months from now, we'll look at it and we'll go, oh my gosh, look at that. We actually have this fully formed enterprise, which we will. First quarter, uh, big thing was putting the team together. Thank you, Tabitha. If Tabitha hadn't come on board, we'd have never gotten there. But she, uh, she gave us the uh, relief so Joe Lynn could move over full time and be our associate director of development, our, our chief grants writer. And then thank you, Cindy, for introducing us all to Colby and mentoring Colby. And, you know, I call it fattening frogs for snakes. You, 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 get, you, you get these people, you invest in them, they just get big and fat, and the snake comes along and eats them. And uh, so I'm the snake. I, I came along, that's what happened to Eric. <laughs> But, um, but that's a big deal. It's a big deal. And it's a big deal because both Jillian and Colby, uh, they are part of the community. And they know, they know the, uh, the vocabulary. They know the stories. And so we, we are hitting the ground running there. Uh, we're going to organize our work around what I call the three-legged stool, individuals, corporations, and foundations. Um, at the end of the day, it's all the same thing, knowing somebody, right? But corporations, foundations, and individuals have very different calendars and very different requirements on how they expect to be approached. And so Colby will be uh, leading our individual giving program. By the way, all of the resource development committees fall under Colby's aegis. We're gonna give her some help because she can't go to all those meetings by herself. But <laughs> But uh, I'll die trying. Die trying, yeah. <laughs> and we're going to reinvigorate our planned giving program. Uh, we've started the major gifts work. So all of that, of course, continues under the umbrella of individual giving. Um, and I'm going to make Colby and Dan talk just a bit about that in a second. Um, corporations, um, ACB is unusual in the amount of corporate support that we have received. But the reason is because we have programs that corporations care about, the advocacy work, and the audio description in particular. And we have had an executive team that really knew how to engage those corporate decision makers and have pulled them in. So I'm gonna ask uh, Eric and Clark to just give a couple of highlights about their thinking there. And then finally, our fundraising uh, foundation work, which Jolyn has very, very masterfully crafted and written. The, the challenge we have is that I think some of our big programs that are scaling are ripe for additional foundation support, but it's, it's a lot of work to put a, a, a big transformational program into place, and that's where I hope we can draw in on the expertise of our of our ACB community to help us so we can do more than one grant at a time. So we can get five, six, seven grants out all at the same time. So um, if you'll indulge us just for a second, I'd like for uh, Clark and Eric to just touch base on the corporate work in this first quarter and how this handoff is gonna happen. I, Eric doesn't know it, but he's just going to be expected to keep raising corporate money for us in his new job. I, I don't oh, think. Oh, really? Well, hopefully. Uh, certain compensation. Might. So if you two don't mind, 
And then uh, when you're done, I would sure. like Dan, you've been, you know, so instrumental in, in guiding the uh, in guiding the resource development committee and, and helping us build the other committees. You and introduce Colby, and then Joe Lynn will save the best for last. If you could just give us a quick rundown of the grants that are already either out the door or in the hopper. Great. And of course, Nancy, thank you for your donor perfect work, Anything without which we'd be truly lost. All right. Well, uh, over the last, I would say, probably two, two plus years, uh, Clark has become involved in the kind of the, the, the corporate sponsor side of the advocacy work that we do at ACB. And so including him and then, you know, frankly, he has he's developed his own relationships with corporate America through ACB's advocacy work that he's been leading, right? So, and, and that's how it should be. Um, one, of the, one of the challenges that I have, I've had historically in the organization is that I've been the only one with these relationships or one of just maybe two to three people. You know, what, what I want for ACB moving forward is for more individuals to be engaged uh, in the development process. And, and on, the, on the corporate side, it, it's a little bit more challenging because you're a lot of the time dealing with advocacy. Uh, a company's introducing a product or service that's not accessible or they broke something in the most recent update and you're needing to go back to them. Um, it's, it's rare that you're approaching a company and going, hey, great job. Um, you know, it, it, but it's all in how you, how you approach them to solve the problem, build a relationship, and then have them understand the value in, in working with ACB. And so that's part of what, what Clark has been up to the last couple of years, and I've been working with him, and he's... Uh, plenty bright enough to do some of this on his own, which he has been. Um, so we have all these, all these corporate relationships. Um, do we have them all in one place? Do we understand who is responsible, who's the lead staff person in each of these relationships? Uh, what, what funds do these corporations give to us and for what reason? Are they giving it to us for consulting services? Are they giving money to us for the convention? Are they giving money to us <clears throat> for legal advocacy, <laughs> AKA ACB wins? Um, uh, or are they giving it to us for a little thing that we've done the last couple of years, the Audio Description Awards Gala? Are they giving it to us as a health hero for Get Up and Get Moving? Right, so, and there are other examples of this, but there are a number of reasons, a number of uh, sort of uh, support channels that companies elect to provide us financial support. Do we have all that written down somewhere? Well, sort of, kind of, not really, a little bit. So Clark and I, and um, a big thank you to Caitlin for keeping us honest and scheduling meetings to force Clark and I to put this stuff onto, spreadsheet, onto a spreadsheet to, to literally show 
all of that or as much of that as we is knowable today. Um, that's the, the sheet that we have that we've built over the last probably couple of months. Um, and irrespective of me leaving the organization, this is just a, an absolutely necessary exercise for us at this time in our evolution to, to undertake. And uh, so again, thanks to Caitlin. Thank you to, to Nancy for providing the data. Um, obviously, that you know, this exercise can only be as good as, as the data. And we've got very rich data. Uh, Clark, would you, would you like to add anything? Sure, thanks, Eric. And I, the one thing that I would add is, actually, a couple things that I'll add. I don't want to sell you short here. It's going to be more than one thing. Um, <laughs> maybe several. Uh, but where I will start is that the, the work that Eric has talked about has been intentional work. Um, th there's a reason that more than one person within ACB is involved with our corporate partners. That, that did not happen by mistake or happenstance, but it was intentional to ensure that we have you know, not an abundance, but at least more than one point of contact with these corporate partnerships so that when opportunity comes knocking, as, as it did for, for Eric here, that all of these relationships don't walk out the door with him, right? They know that, our, that ACB is staying open, that our mission remains and our advocacy work is unwavering. Um, in the process of sitting down and going through our corporate partners, Eric, would you say it was, what, 30 or so, I think we have on that spreadsheet? Yes. There were only three where Eric was the sole point of contact and a meeting is already scheduled at the uh, VisionServe CEO conference with one of those, so now there's only two where uh, Eric was their sole point of contact for ACB. So this partnership, uh, these partnerships will continue, um, will continue to collaborate and embody our core values with these partners, and will continue to grow our corporate partners. And I'll shameless plug here, uh, but at this point I'd also like to thank our sponsors for the leadership conference, mobile voting project at $10,000 at the presidential level, and our Beltway sponsors, American Printing House, Enhanced Voting, Vispero, and Waymap. And I, I'm doing that to illustrate a point as well, because this is the first time that Enhanced Voting and Waymap have partnered, uh, I say financially partnered and sponsored an ACB event. So we are continuing to grow our partnerships, um, especially where it makes sense to do so. Eric? I agree. I think, um, I think we've covered the waterfront bill. Do you have anything you'd like to uh, add? Yeah, uh, pass the baton to your boss. All, All right, right, here we go. Well, and I've got just one more comment with, uh, with Eric and Clark and team on the corporate relationships. And, I think 
this really got demonstrated, I believe, Eric, through the AD Awards Gala project, right, Pro this year, with, um, you know, with Bill kind of coming on in a consulting fashion as we were getting going in the middle of the year. And just the work I saw between you and Clark and Bill, and then bringing in key members who were very experienced in audio mm -hmm. description, in Carl Richardson and Kim Charlson, along with one of our advisory board members who was chairing the AD Awards Gala, Gala Matt Ader. And you all got together basically on a weekly basis and planned out the whole approach of how you were going to go after um, corporate sponsors. Kind of back to what Bill was talking, who are suspects, who are prospects, who, you know, with different yeah. levels. And, and that really paid off. But that due diligence and planning basically allowed to the revenue for the gala to, to double this year. It, it, it did. It, it literally doubled. And it um, also uh, brought us first-time sponsors. So, you know, companies like Warner Brothers Discovery and Fox um, and, and Disney, they had, never, they had never sponsored an ACB event, but the gala... Was the was the right opportunity, the right sort of vehicle for them to to support the organization and our mission? So thank you so much. So now we're moving on to an individual yeah. relationships bill. So Colby uh, is, is and I will be partnered a little bit dealing <laughs> with individual uh, relationships, right, Colby? Yes, sir. All right, and. Uh, you know, this year uh, in uh, the November, October, November timeframe, we put together the major gifts uh, committee to really take the opportunity with the due diligence of Nancy Becker. And for those of you who maybe don't quite realize this, when we went to Donor Perfect in what, 2013, 2013, 2014, right? In that timeframe, right? Uh, Nancy really started collecting every donation we have received from anybody, an individual, a foundation, a corporation. So we now have that data going back for the last eight, nine years. So from that, what we're really able to analyze is to look back over the last three years and find who are our top individual contributors. And the top two contributors, now this is gonna sound bad as your ACB president, were people I didn't even know. I didn't recognize the names. They are people that have found out about the American Council of Blind, and they give us repeated gifts of two, three, five thousand dollars multiple times a year. And people that we needed to reach out and thank for their contributions and begin to develop more of a relationship with. So that's just an example. So we identified the top 100 donors, and we're not asking for any money. We're just reaching out to them as a committee. The committee is made up of uh, Kim Charlson, Gene Mann, uh, David Trott, Alan Peterson, Roger Bridges, Michael Garrett. And so we're, we're just reaching out and saying thank you. Thank you for supporting ACB, and in some cases, how did we get your attention? What is interesting? You know, you're just developing that relationship. And so 
what Nancy's data has been able to provide to us is, is accurate information about what we're, uh, you know, what our opportunities are. And so this is something that even though we've done a great job of collecting the data, we really haven't had the people in place to analyze the data and take action on it. So that's the first step. So as we continue to develop these individual relationships, Colby will be in the lead to kind of, I, I'm gonna call her for one thing, the major cat herder. Because <laughs> it's about getting all of us involved, right? The board, our key leaders in the organization, we're the ones with the relationships. So we've got to be willing to take that next step and reach out to, many cases, people we know and thank them for their efforts and then find out what their true interests are in ACB, what drives them, what's their passion, as Bill was talking about, and then continue to develop that relationship and, and see if that then you know, produces, you know, hopefully, a larger amount of, of, of a personal gift. And truly, 80% of all nonprofit donations come from individuals. They don't, the big money doesn't come from corporations and foundations. It comes from individuals. And we have really lived through this, although we may not realize it. So, you know, what has helped ACB's existence over the last 10, 15 years have been significant will and estate bequests that have come to this organization, sometimes uh, in excess of a, excess of a million dollars. And so it's really been that money that's kept us going. And so we need to really continue to develop those individual relationships. So part of what you're going to see us come up with is re-implementing re the Development Steering Committee with members of this board, members uh, of our staff, and, you know, and members uh, and friends of the American Council of Blind. So, so we, we have an opportunity here to get kind of a little more intentional. I love that word. <laughs> I occasionally use it. We got to get more intentional <laughs> about how we go about fundraising. What we've learned from, from Bill is he's told us over and over again, we're doing all the right things. We're just not doing them consistently. It's hard for us to keep something going month after month, quarter after quarter, year after year. And the more we can get that discipline in place, then we will, that, that will allow us to continue to grow. So um, Colby is going to take the lead with our resource development committees. Those committees are doing a fantastic job. We are seeing just amazing membership uh, participation in our monthly monetary support program, MMS. We're believing there's a new opportunity there for people who care about ACB, uh, that care about our programs and services. So right now, with monthly monetary support, you can give to ACB directly, or you can share your, your proceeds with your state and special or, or special interest affiliate. And that's wonderful, and we don't want to do anything to stop that. But there's other folks that are more connected with our services. All the time, we have people that contact us and say, I want to make a donation specifically for the Braille Forum, specifically for ACB Media. 
for audio description, for just go on and on down the list. As you think through ACB, we have 10 to 15 amazing programs and services that we provide to our members and to the broader blind and low vision community. How do we expand those relationships and make it very easy for somebody to give $1,000 a year to support ACB Media, right, Rick? We're all for that. <laughs> and, so, and so we have Spanish language. Gabriel talked about that. There are an amazing number of folks out there that would be interested in helping ACB support the development of Spanish language, both individuals and foundations, and perhaps corporations. So the focus becomes not on the instrument of giving, but it becomes on the programs and services that we provide. So we've got the walk, goal of 62,000, doing an amazing job this year. It's the, I believe, 15th year of the ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk. The auction this year, I think, has a goal of 30-something thousand dollars for the summer auction. This is the 17th annual summer auction for ACB. Uh, we have the monthly monetary support program, which Bill was asking. I think we'll have to get some of our history and archives people to help us, but I think we're close to 20 years of the monthly monetary support program being in place. And then, of course, we have the Braille Form Raffle, we have the Angels, and we have planned giving and the ACB Mini Mall. So, so many different ways for individuals to contribute. So we welcome Colby, and we're going to have a really good team, and we're going to be knocking at your door, right, Colby? Yes, <laughs> very enthusiastically. Uh, as Eric said, I'm always cheerful, I'm always happy, and uh, just looking forward to collaborating with all of you. Um, you know, we can't do this alone, and so some of those relationships that some of you might have um, certainly will help in a lot of these processes. And um, so I'm just very honored and humbled uh, to be in this new role and uh, am looking forward to diving in headfirst and uh, taking it by the horns and learning and growing um, just professionally and personally. And uh, thank you to Cindy for just all of your leadership and mentorship. Um, when I started with you two years ago, almost two years ago, I did not think I would be in this position, um, uh, but I'm so grateful and just thank you um, to Eric and Bill and Jolyn and everyone who uh, believes in me and um, I won't let you guys down. I'm ready to, uh, ready to roll. Yeah. <laughs> Bill, I guess back to you for uh, uh, foundation grants. Yeah. Is Bill is Bill going to prep, uh, lead in with any remarks? No, he wants you just to go ahead, yeah. Jolyn. Good. Well, I um, excuse me. Good morning from California. It's sun. It's coming up here. It's a nice day. Hope you're all doing well there. Um, just, I have the benefit of going last and hearing Bill's introduction and then Clark and Eric and Colby. Bill talks, I'll take just a, a tiny bit of time here 
to wax a little bit philosophical and creative, hearing about the three-legged stool and then Clark and Eric talk about relationships uh, with corporate giving, having that point of contact, the importance of relationships, uh, individual giving with, uh, with membership outreach, but also the programs and services that appeal to everyone for their giving, what interests them, um, and what does ACB provide. It, it just brings to, to mind for me the idea of a tapestry, ACB's a tapestry and our, our development program is a tapestry. And when you are weaving on a loom, you have a warp and a woof, warp and woof or warp and weft. And that's the fundamental structure of your tapestry, but also it happens to be the fundamental structure of any process or system. So as I was listening to everybody, I was thinking about what's our weft and what's our warp. And to me, the vertical, which is which is the warp, are our fundamental structures or, or the the organizational structure. And then the crosswise or the horizontal piece. It's our members and and the interaction that the, the people have within all of these programs and services. So that it's going to change, that horizontal change, depending on how our programs are developing. And they're also strong now. So I see this tapestry of ACB getting tighter and stronger and richer and more vibrant. So anyway, um, with, with our grants, and our foundation work, this follows the same pathway. We have to be comprehensive, but we have to represent um, the programs and services in terms of how we outreach to foundations, uh, who will be interested, how can we develop a case for support, and do we have the capacity to carry those out? So reflecting on our end of first quarter work, um, we have put requests out for five specific areas, and that's our general operating, which is keeping the lights on, Braille Forum, ACB Media, our health and wellness initiative, which also includes our Get Up and Get Moving campaign, and um, our community and membership, and those two are tied together so for the uh, first quarter grants request that went out, we had six of them, and they totaled $245,000 in asks uh, for Aid Association of the Blind, the Delta Gamma Service for Sight, which was for Braille Forum, and for Aid Association, it was general operating. We had Dr. Scholl Foundation for Braille Forum, and um, those, the top three are repeat funders. So I'm going to follow Clark's lead and thank those foundation donors for their generous and faithful support. Without Aid Association, we wouldn't be keeping the lights on. And with Delta Gamma and Dr. Scholl, it helps to support our Braille Forum. We had three new grants in the first quarter. The first was Consumer Technology Association. And that was, we were approached by that uh, foundation or organization, and that's in support of the ADP website refresh and our new full-time coordinator. We're currently working on a 
a partnership grant with Tech for All to submit to Robert Wood Johnson for diabetes management technology uh, accessibility study, and that will be part of health and wellness. And then finally there, Clark brought a small community grant opportunity from the Arcturex company, which is an out, out of doors apparel and um, equipment company. That's a small grant, that's for 5,000, but that has the potential to develop into a corporate partnership. So that comprises our first quarter work. Going into second quarter, we will have $110,000 in requests going out, and that's for uh, Max and Victoria Dreyfus for general operating, the Gibney Family Foundation, and Reader, uh, Reader's Digest Partners for Sight. Um, both of those are for ACB Media and our community and membership. And then the Royal Bank of Canada, or RBC, which is a financial partner with ACB, but they do have a foundation arm, and we'll be asking for support there, probably for ACB Media. And again, that will be 110000 So by our, the end of our second quarter, we will have submitted $355,000 in grant requests. Um, so you can see that they, they are interwoven. All of these are programs that are scaling up. And for the remainder of our uh, foundation year, we will be building on the programs in those areas. But it, it's exciting uh, to, have, um, to have Bill and Colby with us in the sense that we're reaching out for support from the ACB membership without participation, we just can't build this kind of program. So thank you all. And please don't ever hesitate to reach out um, to me regarding any questions about our grant its pipeline or the direction we're taking. And thank you, Jolyn. And I just oh, want to make one comment with Jolyn and also our previous part-time development director, Tom Tobin. It was really refreshing to hear Bill's analysis after he was able to really dive into the American Council of Blind's development processes. And all he kept saying is, you all are doing the right thing. You have all the building blocks in place. So again, thank you to Tom Tobin and Jolyn Bailey Page for their efforts truly over the last seven, eight, nine years that kind of have gotten us to this point. So. Thank you, Tom. Tom is also chair of our Get Up and Get Moving campaign, which has been mentioned several times uh, with the work we're doing for our health heroes. So, uh, any questions yeah. for Jolyn? I have a, I have a mic. Well, I have a mic in my hand. Just a couple of comments about the whole financial uh, report. Uh, first of all. We're in good shape on individual giving. Who can resist giving a gift hearing that cheerful voice on the phone? <laughs> so uh, anyway, second of all, um, I want to again highlight something that Eric brought to us, and that, was, that is with the corporations, and that is to kind of say to these corporate uh, corporations, corporate entities, that we don't just want your money. Your money's nice. Your money's important. but we want to help you as well. We want to help you do right by people who are blind or visually impaired um, to, uh, <clears throat> to uh, 
you know, provide uh, better accessibility and to, to do all those kinds of things. So I think, I think that's a really important uh, point that, hey, we reached out to you, we, we, we enjoy your, we, we enjoy and appreciate your financial contributions, but we're also here to help you as well. So I, I think that's just a really important point. This is Doug. Um, you have a mic, Doug? I do. Okay. Oh, is it no, oh, not, not hearing it? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, let me hand you a useless mic. Sorry. <laughs> How's this? Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> um, Jolyn, could you remind us, please, of the cycle? So you've submitted some grants in the first quarter. You're you uh, revved up to submit some more in the second quarter. How long does it take? from the time you submit a grant to the um, acceptance of that grant request and the dispersal of funds? Good question, Doug. They are, they're all very different. I can give you, all of them will be contained within um, this calendar year. Um, I, I'm happy to go down the list with you. Do you want real, spe you know, specifics on this um, or no, that's okay. It just okay. in general. For example, for example, um, aid association, which uh, we submitted December thirty first, so I counted as part of this year. We will have a review in May, and the funds will be dispersed at the end of June. Um, Delta Gamma uh, had a very short funding cycle. We submitted in January. We should hear any day now on that. Dr. Scholl uh, submitted in January, and we will not hear till October or November. Just giving you an idea, with, with Consumer Technology Association, that went in in early January. We're having our first review with them next week. Clark, we have a phone call. Uh, that will be May. Um, with the Robert Wood Johnson, which is our largest grant that's in partnership with um, Tech for All, that's a rolling grant. So um, depending on when they receive it in the review process, it could be perhaps three months for that one to six. Uh, with the small community, Reader's Digest is a very short turnaround. We, we uh, submit in June and the funding comes through very quickly in July. And then Royal Bank of Canada, which is an late July submission, I think, were funded in October. So those, it's a good question, Doug, because we want to try to structure the grants pipeline so there is funding throughout the year, so that it's not all, you know, concentrated in one quarter. And that's something we're going to build out this year, is to, to improve the strength of that structure. And... Um, I don't know if that helps. Does that? Yeah, no, that's great. And, and I, I kind of would like to sort of expand that out to both the individual and the corporate side as well. Uh, obviously, uh, we had less, uh, less funding uh, this last year than we did the year before. And um, so, I, 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 you know, it's part of the reason we're on this board is to be fiduciary, fiduciarily responsible to the organization. And uh, so I wanted to make sure that what we were hearing is great and when's the money coming in? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, I'm done. Chris, did you want to ask a question? 
Uh, yes, um, we're going to need that, at least for dummies like me. Uh, you know, my only experience with fundraising was as a stockbroker for Payne okay. Weber in the 1980s, where I'd call people up at 9 o'clock at night and say, want to buy Ginny May Fund? And, you know, <laughs> that didn't work too good. Um, so, so uh, This is why you became an attorney? That's why I became an attorney, that's right. So anyway, I'm going to need some help in that area, and I don't, don't expect it now, but down the road, I think we'll need that kind of help. And thank you. We'll have Bill reply to that, and I, I think it'll be sooner than three to four years. Chris, right? Bill? Hold on, we're going to get you a mic. Here we go, I have a mic. Well, both of these questions are the central questions, and uh, the, the answer still comes back. The, the training is, is, we will start that construct now. Uh, I really, next thing we're going to do as a staff is sit down and map out, okay, how do we create educational materials for everybody? By the way, uh, we get similar requests from the field, from uh, state agencies, uh, affiliates, asking, huh, we could use some training too, and I think that's one of the short-term things to turn our attention to, is to build that, that toolkit and training you're talking about. Um, the, in terms of, well, will the money come in in time? Only if we take this all-hands-on-deck approach. If it's left just to staff, the answer is you have too much good luck and, or too much bad luck. A fundraising goal, this is in my paper, by the way, which I know you all read, right? Uh, the goal belongs to all of us because goals have good luck in them, but they have bad luck in them. Good luck is somebody dies and leaves us an estate. Bad luck is we have COVID or we have a stock market collapse or whatever. And the only way that you can overcome the luck factor is with a prospect development approach. And prospect development does not involve good luck and bad luck. It involves training, just like you said, how do I engage somebody? How do I create the interest? How do I make the ask? And all of us have to, uh, if we, the, the reason I was so enthusiastic about ACB's prospects is that ACB is the master of volunteer action. I have never seen an organization more masterful in the deployment of volunteer resources. So that's the answer. We just deploy ourselves and over time, it will stabilize and the resources will match the budget cycle. Um, so start your engines. Colby loves to do, you know, NASCAR. <laughs> All right. This oh, okay. Okay, we're going to hear Gabe. Gabe has a question. Yes, sir. Okay. So this question is more to uh, Bill, but Lynn, feel free to chime in. So, Bill, you mentioned um, the fact that we have uh, the benefit of having some corporate funding that uh, is attracted to some of our specific programs. How, as a membership-driven organization, how, where do we keep the balance between 
going after programs that will get funding and investing our time, resource, energy, staff, effort, etc., in programs that will actually attract our members or engage our members. And if you don't have that formula, welcome to my world. <laughs> I, think, I think I'll die never knowing the, the chicken and the egg. <laughs> Hey, this is Jolyn. I'll just jump in here. When um, I heard you report on the Spanish language, um, you know, version of this of leadership, that just warmed my heart. I forgot to shout out to you, you know, hurrah, because the answer to that in my world is that all of this is valuable. If nothing else, everything ACB does is goes into our case for support for general operating. You know, it's vital. And specific elements of that can be used um, for, for program-driven proposals, you know, and that, that's restricted funding. But what you are doing in terms of helping ACB become bilingual is critical in this day and age because so much funding from foundations right now is geared toward um, evidence of diversity and inclusion, even within disability organizations. So I'm kind of where you are with the chicken or the egg, but the answer is you need both the chicken and the egg to keep the cycle going. It, it... Mike, Mike. He had the microphone, it just wasn't on. Um, my wife, I, I have a fair favorite saying, which is all of us are smarter than one of us. And my wife always says, and Bill, especially if you're the one we're talking about. <laughs> so the answer is, Gabe, all of us are smarter than one of us. We, we have to trust the fact that collectively we will use our good judgment and we'll find those alignments. There will be disappointments. Fundraising, I had a, a world-renowned great fundraising teacher. And he said one day, he said, Bill, Successful fundraising is a string of disappointments followed by a seeming surprise. <laughs> and you just, uh, I think my friend down there who was selling Fannie Mae or Sally Mae or one of those, uh, we have a lot to learn from him, I suspect. But it's all of us are smarter than one of us. We just have to use this collective approach. And I, if, if I didn't believe that the mission were, oh my gosh, so in demonstration in changing people's lives, I wouldn't be quite so optimistic, but the impact is simply all around. So, and I, do you know the name Eduardo Padron? He's my friend. We're gonna go see Eduardo. <laughs> Carlos Castro, you don't know him, but anyway, to be continued. All right, well, thank you. Thank you, Bill and development team. Excellent report and back to Eric for, I believe, Clark and Rally was. Yes, let's uh, hand it off to the advocacy and government affairs team. All right, thank you so much, Eric and Dan. Hello everyone, this is Clark Rockfall, ACB's Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs, and this is your advocacy update. Uh, just quick, quick check, do we have Tabitha and Swatha in the room as well with microphones?
Okay. No, Tabitha, Ta, Tabitha and Kelly stepped out for a moment, but I, I know that they will be back uh, momentarily. So um, with that said, I think that our order here um, will be to go from the, the past to the present and then to the future. So um, I would like to turn to Swatha, if that's all right, to provide uh, just one or two quick advocacy-related updates. Um, and again, thank you to everyone who tuned in for the virtual legislative seminar um, that was available, as well as the President's Affiliates meetings, um, available with Spanish language interpretation with CART captioning. Uh, and hopefully we can make that the norm going forward for all of our ACB events. All right, thank you all. This is, thank you, Laura. This is um, Swatha Nandakumar, ACB's Advocacy and Outreach Specialist, um, here for an update. Um, so over the past year, um, ACB has been very active in transportation, transit advocacy um, and work on the, um, the partners in that field. Um, this year marks the year that um, the Federal Aviation, Aviation Administration needs to um, be reauthorized by Congress. And so in that, in that vein, um, we have been in talks with Office, Office on the Hill, like um, Senator Duckworth and Senator Baldwin's office, um, to provide um, kind of feedback and um, language on what should be put, put, in, put, in, put, put in this new package. So, when, though, so um, Duckworth's office, they reached out to um, us and asked for our support on several bills. Um, one includes on the Equal Access to Passenger, passenger Portals or, or, or Equal Act Act. This app, this act would um, make sure that apps and websites for airlines are accessible to people, 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 with, people with disabilities. Um, another another um, couple of um, bills that have been introduced by Duckworth or will be in the future um, include access to terminals and um, gate information and also a way to 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 um, prioritize disability, disability related complaints in airlines and air travel. Also um, um, moving away from airlines we also um, were active with um, autonomous, autonomous vehicles or self-driving or self self cars. Um, so we have been working directly with Cruise and Waymo and other um, AV apps to, or AV, web, AV companies like those um, to make them, make them accessible for blind and low vision, and low vision people. Um, because we do know that AVs have potential to, op to open doors and to just um, give individuals who are blind to vision access access to transit, access to um, getting, getting around, which includes like, to employment and um, recreation. So with that, um, I will take questions. Any questions? All right, hearing, 
Hearing no questions from the room, thank you, Swatha. So th these items, right, they're not our legislative imperatives for the year, but it's just a sampling of the, the many items that ACB, uh, the areas where we are active and issues that we are mindful of and advocate on behalf of our members uh, with the cross-disability community as well as members of Congress. And uh, Rick, I'll give you the, the high sign here as I lead in. Uh, so Swatha mentioned that uh, several of these are bills being worked on by Senator Duckworth. Senator Duckworth is also, uh, Rick, or excuse me, Ray, from the great state of Illinois, uh, <laughs> yes. is also the lead sponsor of two of our legislative imperatives, the Exercise and Fitness for All Act, important to our Get Up and Get Moving Committee and health and wellness work, as well as the Websites and Software Applications Accessibility Act. And Senator Duckworth has a message that she would like us to share. Uh, unfortunately, we were unable to share this during the, the, the virtual leadership conference, but now's as good a time as any. Hello, everyone. This is Senator Tammy Duckworth. I am sitting here uh, in front of you in a black and white dress. I have uh, medium length brown hair. I'm wearing glasses and I am Asian American. I wish I could be with all of you today, but I'm glad to have the opportunity to speak with you virtually about our shared priorities for this year. First of all, I want to thank each and every one of you for all your work to create a world where everyone, including those who are blind and experiencing vision loss, has the opportunity to lead an independent life. You know, when I earned my disability serving our nation overseas in Iraq, I considered myself pretty lucky. Lucky because when I got home, the ADA had been the law of the land for more than a decade and empowered people like me to lead a full life. And I will never take that for granted. But even as we've come a long way in the past few decades, all of you know we haven't gone far, nearly far enough. So for so many, the pandemic underscored how critically important website accessibility is. Nearly everyone at one point or another can recall a time when they relied on the internet to, to order home goods, connect with loved ones, or to work from home. And yet too many websites and apps remain nearly impossible to use by Americans with vision disabilities. I'm proud to have worked with the American Council of the Blind to introduce legislation last year that would build on the promise of the ADA and finally make websites and software applications more accessible for all users. And I'm ready to see it at this, that this gets done. We also need to make sure that flying is more accessible for Americans with disabilities and crack down on air carriers that have gotten away with predatory practices. A great start would be to pass my legislation to prevent disability-related complaints from being swept under the rug so we can better ensure that the millions of passengers with disabilities who fly every year are treated with the dignity and respect they deserve. We shouldn't have to keep pouring so much energy just into defending our most basic rights. But until accessibility truly becomes a default and not an afterthought, I hope you know that along the way, I am going to be right beside you working to bring about that tomorrow where we won't have to work so hard just to lead our daily lives. Again, thank you so much for allowing me to speak to you all today. And I look forward to working with you on these priorities and more for our community. Thank you. All right, so how about that? So thank you to Senator Duckworth. Yeah.
Uh, also, we were, we were honored to have live over Zoom Representative Debbie Dingle uh, from the great state of Michigan, uh, who is also the co-chair of the Congressional Bipartisan Disabilities Caucus. Join us during the virtual legislative seminar on Monday. Uh, Doug Powell and Ray Campbell, please see me after the board meeting to collect your drink vouchers for your excellent questions <laughs> related, <laughs> related to the accessibility of U.S. currency as well as funding for the older individuals with blindness programs. That was uh, unplanned but a sign of the great advocacy work uh, that is just systemic throughout our organization. I will also add that during our, like as you all heard on Monday, um, Debbie Dingle and um, other members members of the of the AV of the Congressional AV Caucus are very committed to missing, missing legislation that um, improves access to AV use for people with disabilities. So this year they're breaking the priority. Thank you, Swatha, and then the. Uh, the, the last item on, on this topic related to Representative Dingle, she also shared with us that uh, she is now a co-sponsor of another one, uh, three out of four here of our legislative imperatives, the Medical Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act. Uh, the bill was introduced by Representative Schakowsky with 32 original co-sponsors. It is now up to 39 co-sponsors since uh, introduction on March 1st. It is bipartisan with three Republican co-sponsors. In addition to Representative Dingell, her Bipartisan Disabilities Caucus co-chair, Republican Representative Brian Fitzpatrick from Pennsylvania is also a co-sponsor. So already in the 118th Congress, this bill has more traction from uh, significant and influential members of the House than it did in the 117th Congress. Our fourth legislative imperative, and this is going to dovetail into the uh, audio description project, is the Communications and Video Technology Accessibility Act. We continue our work with Senator Markey, as well as Representative Eshoo, toward bill reintroduction, likely uh, end of spring, early summer timeframe, uh, but related to the, to the CVTA and the expansion of audio description. Uh, Tabitha got here in person yesterday and we just threw her right into the deep end. She joined me at the Motion Picture Association for a movie premiere hosted by one of our corporate partners, Comcast. She had the opportunity to meet Tom Litkowski, their head of accessibility, as well as their uh, boots on the ground here in DC, Jackie Puente, that deals with external partnerships and relations and is eager to partner with us on the CVTA. So Tabitha, I will turn it to you if you'd like to share anything that stood out to you from last night, as well as uh, any uh, report or remarks that you have regarding your first two months as our new audio description project coordinator. Okay, quick question. Are you guys all holding this room? Yes. 
has all the ways. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you, Clark. Um, I I actually enjoyed the movie. Um, I was a little anxious about it, but um, but it was okay. Um, okay. Um, I'm used. I'm, I'm accustomed to projecting, so I'm. Don't know how to handle microphones. Okay, um, so yes, uh, so I, I enjoyed the film. It was really nice to see um, people with disabilities portrayed by people with disabilities, um, and uh, I know novel concept, but um, so yeah, so it was a fun experience. Um, and I prepared, you know, a few uh, a little update on the ADP um, in the last couple of days sort of by myself, but it's really interesting that some of the things that I was thinking about I have heard um, in, in everyone else's comments today, particularly this idea of relationships um, between sort of, you know, larger scale, um, you know, initiatives and, and components and then on smaller individual um, engagements as well. So, I just wanted to let you guys know that we are indeed continuing to um, to work on the website, um, trying to keep it modern, useful, and in line with the um, navigation and tone of the main ACB website. So that is, you know, part of the redesign. Um, this includes shifting the editorial voice, which um, we're kind of chipping away at now. I'm doing a little bit more content create, creation and writing and uh, continuing with all of those um, redesign uh, fun little things. So <laughs> we'll keep going with that. It'll be, it'll be good, I promise. Um, we have multiple awards-related efforts going on. Um, currently, of course, the AD Gala in the fall, um, but before that, we have the ADP Awards and the Beatty essay contest. We've been getting some entries in this week. Um, our deadline is March 31st. So it's been really fun to, to read the essays by, by kids who are um, you know, enjoying audio description. So um, I think that's one of the things I'm most excited about. Um, another thing I'm really excited about is the ADP conference. Um, Kim, Carl, Joel, and I are working on that. It's going to be held virtually uh, June 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. We should have seven panels and a keynote. We have some ideas, but you'll have to stay tuned for the big reveal. Um, and uh, see, we finished the 21st Audio Description Institute in February, and I audited that, and that was good fun. So the 22nd is slated for August. It will also be virtual. Um, and we've also had a, a conversation with the Uni Description Project um, to start thinking about holding another descriptathon in October um, or November, kind of floating around. That'll be my first, so um, I've been told it's, uh, it's intense. So <laughs> looking forward to that. Um, and so, you know, those are some of the, the bigger, um, you know, ongoing things that we have. Um, then on kind of a smaller scale, um, I've, I've been getting probably at least one, if not more, emails a week in the past month or so uh, from people who are, are reaching out um, to ask questions and issue invitations. So um, 
let's see, Joel and I are going to talk to the Delaware chapter of the CCLIVI in April. Um, Clark and I are presenting at the AFB Leadership Conference in April. Um, Carl and I are gonna talk to the Georgia Talking Books Library in July. Um, uh, Joel and uh, Susan Glass and I will be presenting at an international conference on disability and creative arts in oh, June or July, it's on my calendar. I won't forget, I promise. <laughs> um, and um, I was also contacted by a vision rehab therapist in Missouri who has clients interested in trying to find employment in the field of audio description. So I'm working on putting together a, a panel of uh, people who are blind or have low vision who are currently working in the field. Um, probably gonna do that as a community call so we can get reach beyond Missouri. Um, but I was just really excited that you know this, this one woman reached out and said, hey, there's this need. And I thought, great, <laughs> we can respond to this and we can do something that will you know, provide information for her clients and, and more um, you know, people, uh, well, the community calls have such a, a great reach. So, um, so I've, I think it's really interesting to continue to think about those relationships, the, you know, the big ongoing larger scale things, but also those individual um, conversations that can grow into something bigger. Thank you, Tabitha, and uh, the, the, forgive me if we didn't mention, the movie last night was Champions, um, which is out in theaters either now or this Friday, starring Woody Harrelson, and it's uh, him coaching a, a Special Olympics basketball team, uh, starring individuals with intellectual disabilities as well. That, as Tabitha mentioned, the novel idea of people with disabilities playing characters with disabilities. Uh, also last night, in attendance at this premiere, were several individuals from the uh, German embassy here in Washington, D.C. And we had a nice conversation about the rally that we're holding this Friday. And they're like, yes. Your ATMs, your money machines, so accessible, but the currency that comes out not at all. Why, why is this? Vasistas. Yeah. Uh, which brings us to tomorrow. And Way I know... to land the plane, my friend. Way to land the plane. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, which brings us to tomorrow, Friday, March 10th, Harriet Tubman Day and ACB's rally for accessible and inclusive currency. Uh, so, we have a great run of show. We have several uh, guest speakers, including a uh, professor of political science from Howard University, the chair of uh, the Commission for People with Disabilities from Washington, D.C., the executive director from Women on Twenties, who are all planning to join us for this rally tomorrow. Uh, I know Kelly Gask circulated some additional information regarding rally logistics, and I'll try to preempt some of the questions uh, and answer, I believe it was Ray who asked the question earlier. So on, uh, on the schedule for tomorrow, uh, because of the two tours that are in the morning for the Botanical Gardens and the White House Visitor Center, the bus, the one bus, will leave the hotel 
with any remaining individuals who are not on the tour. Uh, I believe that's scheduled for 11.30 a.m. tomorrow. Uh, why is that? Uh, that's because that bus, after dropping off at Lafayette Square, will then go to the Botanical Gardens to pick up the individuals who are on the Botanical Garden Tour, and then the White House Visitor Center and pick up individuals who are on the White House Visitor Center Tour, and then we'll drop off that second bus load. Still one bus, but making multiple trips. So we'll have a phased arrival at Lafayette Square. Uh, the Music will likely begin around 12.30, so as people are arriving, they have that point of reference, as well as volunteers that will be able to assist and help folks uh, get pointed in the right direction toward the stage. Um, the show will start at 1.30 p.m. It will conclude by 2.30 p.m., and then we will head to the, the U.S. Treasury for those who are willing and able for uh, some, some chanting, some cheers, and a group photo. If you, if you are unwilling or unable to go to the Treasury for this portion of the rally, there will be an option to return to the bus, the same spot where it dropped you off. Um, to get on the bus and return to the hotel. If you are not getting on the bus to return, you must communicate that to Rhonda Trout. Sir Trot, excuse me. Um, we need a we need an exact head count. So even if a a group is not getting on the bus, we need to know everyone in that group. Everyone in that group must communicate that to Rhonda so that we have an accurate list and accurate head count for the bus returning to the hotel. Uh, one more item that I'll raise before opening it up to questions is that we do have a permit from the National Park Service for this event. They approved our bus pickup and drop-off locations, uh, which is about a, Dan likes to say a football field, I'll say half a block from the rally point, so very close at the Decatur House in DC. And we have a larger stage that was permitted for this event. Um, so for anyone who needs assistance on the ramp or has a mobility device uh, or a service animal, that, that should not be an issue. One item that has come up as an issue is that the Park Service has not permitted us to have seating. So we are continuing to work through this issue. Uh, the One of our advocacy partners, the Washington Lawyers Committee, is involved. We will be having a conversation, uh, I believe scheduled now for 1 p.m., with the Park Service permitting office about this issue. And we are making it quite clear that Section 504 of the Rehab Act and the Americans with Disabilities Act, and oh yes, the National Park Service's own uh, regulations and guidelines permit temporary seating 
uh, for people with disabilities as a reasonable accommodation. So we are, we are continuing to work through this. Um, we will definitely have videographers and photographers on site. And if anyone needs a seat as a reasonable accommodation, um, that will be provided to you tomorrow. So I'd say no need for concern there, but just want to share that that's a, an ongoing item that we are working through. Any questions regarding the yes. leadership conference, the ADP, and the rally? This is Jeff. Clark or, or whom, whomever. Go, go ahead, Jeff. I happen, yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, I happen to be the one uh, of the California delegation that's going to be meeting with Congresswoman Eshoo this time, or at least her staff, I should say. Um, what should be the message uh, to them? Should it be thank you for reintroducing it, you know, soon or whatever? Or exactly what should we be saying? Uh, thank you, Jeff. So the, this is a regarding your meeting with Representative Eshoo, uh, who is the lead house sponsor of the Communications Video and Technology Accessibility Act. Um, the message there is thank you for your leadership in introducing this bill in the 117th Congress. We need this bill reintroduced in the 118th Congress. Um, so uh, I would say thank her for her continued leadership and ask her what she needs from the California Council and ACB for swift introduction of this legislation here in 2023. Okay, thank you. Thank you. This is Doug. Um, two questions about the rally tomorrow. One is I didn't hear any uh, no, no, notification about how we're gonna get our lunches that we signed up for. And the second question is, when and where do we tell Rhonda that we are going to walk to the Treasury, you know, and get the bus from there? Absolutely. And, and Dan, help me out here if I, if I leave anything out. So Be happy uh, to. our current plan is for the lunches to be available as folks get off of the bus. Correct, Dan? That is correct. Uh, we're hoping that Kelly can have a station kind of set up there. She's got a list of everybody that has a lunch. So if you're coming from either the Botanical Gardens or the White House Visitor Center tour, and, and I think if I understood a little nuance there, there's going to be, they're going to go from the Botanical Gardens back to the park and then to the White House Visitor Center and back to the park because between the two tours, we've got like almost 70 people and only 55 can get on the bus. So, but. Uh, once you once once you arrive at at, at a Decatur House, which is like I said, a football field away, as you get off the bus, the plan is to give you your lunch and a poncho. Yes. <laughs> and she has to wear all hundred ponchos at once. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and all her communication devices and all that stuff. She's going to be a very busy person uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Yes. So, and, so that's the first question. So, yeah. Thanks, Dan. And then the, to answer the second question, Doug, uh, in the email communication that went out last night, it has 
Rhonda's contact information. Um, let her know as soon as possible. It, if you already know that you will not be returning via the bus, let her know. Yeah. If, if This is afterwards, and only if you're not going to take the bus. If you're going to take the bus, exactly. you don't have to let her know anything. You're on the list. But but if, yes. but but if you decide, oh gosh, I just can't take it anymore, and you grab an Uber, we need to know because we're going to be sitting there waiting for you to arrive because we don't want to lose you. Yeah. So please, if you if you decide to take an alternative mode of transportation back to the hotel, other than the bus, let Rhonda know. Both have buses and they'll both be on the list and she just needs to check you off the list that we got you back to the hotel. So you'll be fine. Yeah. All right. And then the, the last item that I will share. Uh, earlier I mentioned our uh, DC Leadership Conference sponsors. Um, one of them will be actually a couple of them, but one I'd like to highlight, the Mobile Voting Project will be here in person on Saturday in the communication that went out for the in-person leadership conference. There was information about uh, providing user testing and feedback for Mobile Voting Project. If that is something you are interested to do, uh, to help them improve their remote accessible voting technology. Please click on that, that link, provide your first and last name and email address so that they can have you loaded in their system. Uh, please do that by end of day today so that they can get that up and running tomorrow. Um, then folks will either be able to access their system from their own personal device, otherwise they will be set up in the exhibit hall Saturday morning with uh, Android and Apple smartphones and tablets so that you can run through the sample ballot, vote for your favorite ACB legislative imperative, hear those results during their lunch keynote, and uh, also about the work they're doing to make voting more accessible for all of us. All right, back to you, Eric. Excellent. Thanks. And uh, why don't we move to membership services? Hi, everybody. I'm going to make this quick. Uh, a week from tomorrow, community celebrates three years. And I... And I just want to say, as I'm sitting here, I, I, I thought about uh, George Bailey and uh, how if, you know, the wonderful life whole concept, right? What if community never happened? Well, right now on staff, we have two people that may not be here, Tabitha and Colby. We have many people that are involved in affiliates that found their way to ACB through our community. And our community has kept us at the forefront 
and has shown other organizations that ACB is out there and constantly doing something all the time. At a time when, uh, when I first took my position, I talked about embrace, engage, empower. Most of you remember that. And I still believe in it so much. But when we would meet new people, we would tell them about a convention that's going to happen in 10 more months or a chapter meeting that will happen in three or four weeks. Today, people can get connected with the American Council of the Blind instantaneously. And I just want to remind all of us that this community is not about Cindy. It's about all of you. It's about every person that brings something to it. It is the community that has driven it. I've just kind of managed it. But it's, it's people that have brought content, including people that are interested in building a new affiliate. So South Carolina is wanting to come back on the map. They held an event a few weeks ago. And um, so they are very hopeful to try and build an affiliate again before convention of this year. Uh, and I, I think I'll just stop there. I, I, I'm proud of Colby and um, just and looking forward to who the next person will be. Um, and now my work will be cut out for me when uh, Rachel and I start our the real work next week uh, to find the next right person. And before I hand the microphone back, I just want to say that I have been working nonstop since 1995, and uh, I have never worked under anyone like Eric Bridges. And I am just so grateful to have had nearly four years uh, under you, Eric, with you. Thank you for your support always. I appreciate it so much. Thanks. Mr. President, I have a question for Cindy. Thank you, Cindy. I appreciate that. All right. Uh, communications. Kelly Excuse G. Excuse me, Eric. Oh, there's a question. Yeah, this Zoom. is Jeff. I'm Go ahead, Jeff. Yep, I just have a quick question, and it's just more about um, an ask, really. I know that we're coming up on certification for membership for um, affiliates on the 15th. And I'm wondering if there is a plan to provide the board a detailed uh, report on the current status of affiliates across the organization as it relates to membership. There will be a report after all is said and done. Are you wanting to know like what, where we're at right now, Jeff? I don't know that. I, I don't know that we need one right now just because I, I think that that is uh, a little premature because we're is, still getting yeah. right. So, so I don't know that we need it now. I do but, believe that but, at the April 25th or uh, certainly, certainly by the June 30th board meeting, you guys will have a good report with data and all of that information that you, you I think would like to have. But certainly right now, I don't. I, we couldn't even pull it if we wanted to. No, no, no. We, no, I, I, I know that. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping we get that a little earlier than the board meeting so we have time to review it and, and understand the data. So, so Cindy won't know what the certification numbers are till like the 1st of May. So she can okay. get her report started at that time. I'll do my best to get it as soon as you guys, as soon as I have it, I'll 
throw it together and no worries. All right, thank you. Thanks. Yep, and let me just piggyback on that, if I might. Um, I think also uh, that one of the things we, you know, this is a, sounds like a, maybe a membership steering committee project might want to think about doing is, as we look at that, um, look at affiliates that are, you know, having issues, you know, losing a lot of members, whatever it might be, and put some plans together to do some outreach, you know, if they want us to, uh, to help them. Um, you know, reverse that those kinds of trends. Uh, perhaps that's something, once we get that data, I think that's something we definitely should uh, consider doing. And, and I'll just piggyback on that and say that uh, one affiliate has invited me to come and do a training with their leadership about succession planning, equipping their leadership, and future planning. And so, uh, you know, we're certainly available to help affiliates because they know that they're they're hurting. They're a hurting affiliate and they want to get stronger, better. And so, um, you know, we, we are happy to do that. Uh, but yes, that would be a great project for membership uh, committee as well as the Leadership Institute has been providing a lot of training and hoping that we can maybe um, promote that leadership training, all of those that have been podcasted and and make those available and encourage leaders to take advantage of them as well because there's some great content there. Yeah. So something Cindy and I have worked on the last couple of years is once the um, certification is done, Cindy, get, Cindy gets a spreadsheet with it and there's a couple of things that we look at. We look at the affiliates that are declining, the amount that they're declining. We look at who's increasing and where they were compared to last year. So, so Cindy and I have worked together to see where everybody's at. And some of the numbers that we're gonna be looking at is not just the decrease, but you know, sometimes even the decrease doesn't tell the whole story because people get new, affiliates get new members and, and there's still a decrease. So those, it's the retention. I, I've spoken about that a lot uh, over the years. Retention is so important. So what are affiliates not doing to retain their members? Um, the health of our organizations, really important. So, yeah, thank you. All right, thank you for the questions. And then on to, is it, um, yeah. we're going to Kelly? Yep. Well, we're, we may be, we're not, we're gonna be pretty close to 12. Yes, I think, because Kelly's the last report, right? Yeah, okay. and I'll, I'll go real quick. I mean, you guys know what I've been working on. I've been working on a bunch of communications, um, as we all have in my department, for this conference. So. Um, we have been busy bees getting together all the necessary details um, to let people know when it's happening, you know, what the different dates are, what is happening each day. Um, you know, my team works on um, the agendas, um, compiling all that information, and we are really trying to make sure that we make our communications to registrants uh, as easy to follow as possible using headings. Um, I have been sending out any emails um, to a number of different people because you know it really does take a village um, and it's easier to forget because we have so many different things going on. So um, we have you know been distributing communications um, to anybody who has RSVP'd for the currency rally. Um, there are some folks that are outside of ACB that have RSVP'd and we wanna make sure that we're providing all the pertinent details. Um, we also sent that information over to our in-person registrants as well. 
you know, anything from uh, where it is to, hey, it's going to be cold and rainy, like you need to dress warm and, and prepare for rain. Um, so just continually, um, you know, uh, in like a, a rhythm uh, leading up to this event, we have been uh, distributing emails and social posts, um, highlighting the leadership conference to encourage registration, to let people know, um, you know, what to expect. Um, you know, because we really wanted to entice people to join us in person because we have so many cool features with the, you know, the tours and the currency rally. And then, you know, a separate communications plan for the currency rally because it is, although it's a part of our leadership conference, it's our, it's, its own element. Um, so regularly distributing that information over all of our social channels um, and email has been super important. Um, one thing I'm excited about is tomorrow the Currency Rally is going to be live um, on Facebook and YouTube. Um, so, um, and we're hoping LinkedIn and Twitter as well. This is something new for us. So I connected our channels uh, to the team um, that's, you know, like running the event. Um, so anybody that um, cannot attend in person can still, you know, be a part of the rally. Um, in addition, there are there is a, a page that we have. It's called a link tree. It's basically like a compilation of pertinent links. Um, we put together uh, tweets, pre-populated tweets. So you go click on this link. You can just click on it, and it'll it'll upload the preloaded text into Twitter. So you can directly send it to, you know, um, Treasury Secretary Yellen, to um, Joe Biden's POTUS account. Um, so there's a lot of resources in there. There's also a letter that people can use to send to their representatives um, as well. So we've got links to the live streams. It's all collected in one place. Um, and at the rally, there's actually going to be QR codes on the signage there that people can use to scan that and access our Linktree page to get access to all the resources. So um, it's been a lot because <laughs> there's a lot of you know moving parts and everything, but it, you know, like I said, it takes a village. Everybody has been contributing to make sure that these communications are you know well thought out and include all the necessary information. Do you have a question? Oh, Clark has a question. <laughs> and this is Clark. As though folks weren't uh, sick of hearing from me already, I just <laughs> wanted to give a big thank you to Kelly and her team, as well as the, everyone from media, uh, the community in Zoom hosts, because without them, what we just did with the virtual leadership conference would not have been possible. Without them, what we're doing for this currency rally, we would just be preaching to the choir. And their work allows us to expand upon our message. And had we not shared it, I don't think many of our attendees would have known that Swatha and I were knocked offline and out of the building for an hour due to a fire alarm uh, because our media team kept the show running. Uh, it was the preparation that went into it and it was very well executed. So thank you comms and thank you ACB Media. And Kelly, because we won't have time tomorrow, can you take two minutes and describe the banner that will be behind the stage and the banner that will be at the side of the stage for everybody? Yeah, I definitely can. Let me like open it up so I can refresh my memory. 
Um, so I, I, I really like the background. Um, the background, it, it fades from green on the top to um, an image that's, uh, it's a pile of different currencies from different countries that have accessibility features. And on top of that pile of currency is a Harriet Tubman $20 bill. Um, at the top, it says, show me the money, accessible and inclusive currency now. And it has the American Council of the Blind logo. Um, we also have uh, placards that we'll be, be handing out that have different slogans like, President Biden, show me the Tubman's accessible and inclusive currency now. They have the same image on it, and on the back we'll have that QR code that people can scan to access all of our resources in one place. Um, so it's it's nice. I, you know, we are working with uh, Glasgow Actions Group to create these graphics, but I really um, gave them some some lessons as far as you know designing for people with low low vision with with high contrast. So it's it's very easy to read. Um, nice sans serif font. Oh, oh yes, thank you, Clark. So one other thing that um, Clark and I worked on for a while was um, we have a. Um, uh, timeline, um, we're calling it like, you know, the pathway to accessible currency um, that Jeff Levitke had initially put together. And um, we went through the timeline, abbreviated it, and added some items related to um, the Harriet Tubman $20 bill. Um, and it's going to be a, a long, long uh, piece of signage. Um, that has all the dates of significance. It's like this 50-year struggle leading up to uh, the rally to, to get accessible and inclusive currency. So that's going to be um, a big feature uh, at the rally as well. Are you all aware that the first resolution, the first time that this organization really took a stance on accessible currency was in a resolution in 1972? And there were more in 77 and 78. And a California a congressman was uh, helping us at that time, by the way. Mr. 50 Miller. 50 years. 50 years. Yeah. Jeff, did you have a comment? Jeff, Tom? I just said it was a California congressman that was helping us, uh, Congressman Miller, back in 1972. And he was a, a well-known to Catherine Skyvers. Wow. That's, um, I'm going to ask one one real quick question on the on the rally. This is this is for Karen, since she's a non-board member. Um, she with the potential of rain, and she's got about four thousand dollars worth of technology in her ears. She's a little concerned about that. If for some reason she chooses not to go, should she talk to Rhonda and make sure that Rhonda knows that? Yes. Okay. If she chooses not to go, period, because if it's raining, you know, it's not good for hearing aids. Okay, so if Rhonda knows she doesn't get on the bus, then we don't need to watch okay. coming off the bus. Okay, good enough. Do the ponchos have hoods? They do. <laughs> they are very clear, stylish ponchos, as, as stylish as a poncho can get. <laughs> They'll last for four hours. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you, Kelly. Turn it back over to Eric. For the... All right. Uh, Mr. President, I think that, that completes our uh, report. Thank you, Eric. A excellent report by Eric and all the staff. Thank you so much. I have a motion to approve the staff reports. Ray is so moved. Do I have a second? Second by Chris. All those, any discussion? 
All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? All right. We are now going to go. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. We are now going to go into executive session. So we're going to ask ACB Media to stop the stream. And we're going to ask everyone, please, if you could uh, find your best uh, friends and enjoy lunch plans. And we will be reconvening at 2 o'clock. So 2 o'clock, we'll be back in here to restart the board meeting. We're so, playing the money song. Yes. If you're on Zoom and you're, you're not a board member, can you disconnect? Yeah. Do we have anybody on Zoom that's not a board Joe Lynn. Okay. And staff, the only staff that should remain temporarily... Is-